deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the Griffin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shrieking Shack. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for Laps fans. I'm your host, ZC. And I'm Liz. And Liz, I think we're we're long overdue. We've got to bring a little culture to this to this podcast. It's about damn time. It's about damn time. We're always cussing and and hooting and talking about uh, video games and, uh, and other stuff on here. Just classless, really. Absolutely, it is. Um, and and you, I was going to spare you from this. <laughs> And and our audience, um, but but you you came to me and you said, "Are we going to read the poem <laughs> this week?" I think I said, "Are you going to read the poem to me?" Are you going? Am I, yes. Am I going to read the poem to you? And you my graciously, plan... no, of course not. I would never do this. <laughs> my plan earnestly was not to read the poem <laughs> to you because it was very cursed. It was sent to a lot of people forwarded it to us on twitter thank you very much uh poem in the atlantic but but because you have requested it i know because i'm like we need to get some damn culture on here we need to get some damn culture (laughs) on this a new a new era is dawning of Mm -hmm. the cult the culture (laughs) treat cast (laughs) (laughs) we got the orange man out uh and so now now we can indulge in a little culture perhaps absolutely oh lazy lazy demagogue Incitement? It sounded so tired. However did your drooping scrotum cadences, your mushy (laughs) syntax, get that multitude so wired? But the spell worked, dark Dumbledore! And in your most necromantic hour, you watched your legions puncture the halls of power with okay, horns that's, and that's, guns. That's all I need to hear. That's that's it. That's you not, know. That's you all I need can't to hear. Interrupt the poetry I just, reading. Ugh, you're right. It's not cultured to do that, is it? That's I don't right. think that's allowed. That's in a very boorish. <laughs> that's very boorish. Sorry, I'm, of you I'm to learning. Do. I'm learning. <laughs> with horns and guns and hats so red, dizzy with release, escaped from the hole in your head. Dizzy with release, huh? Mm. <laughs> what does that mean, huh? This inauguration's got me feeling some kind of way. Right, right? <laughs> dark Dizzy Dumbledore. What? I just, I want, I want to talk about what Dark Dumbledore means here. Dark Dumbledore. <laughs> first of all, talk about redundant. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, first of all, Dumbledore, evil Dumbledore, canon. We have, we have, uh, we have unearthed that. We, we have covered this. He's the bad guy. Uh, that's the only way these books are remotely salvageable but taking i guess uh, taking this poem at its uh, uh at its word dark dumbledore is right it- so so the atlantic like published this as like a prank on the author right <laughs> like we're gonna attach this to your name like yeah <laughs> look at this embarrassing shit we uh we put under your name <laughs> that that's a good i think that's a good read on it this is a prank Maybe- Maybe that's why the New Yorker posted that, like, Pikachu's 30th birthday thing as well. Yeah. What's going on with, like, the magazines of record in America? Mm, no, not good. We need to figure out what's going on. Uh, I, Dark Dumbledore. Dark Dumbledore. How, not to, not to get political. Sure. 
Trump and Trump and Dumbledore. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Can we draw any kind of and, and specifically like like let's let's be the most charitable here. They're both kind of weird. Right. So that's kind of the one thing is that I guess they both have a way with words. They're uh, both yeah, they're both weird guys. They're both weird guys and they would kind both... of in different ways, but you know. Yeah. I mean like uh, do you do you think that like if you were a wizard and you lived in wizard world? Yeah. Would you, would you get like in the same way that we have like Trump Twitter poisoning? Yeah. And that we you know, we say, you know, m- m- many people are saying this and right. and that kind of, like would 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 you get Dumbledore poisoning? Yeah. Is there like a, the way he talks maybe is is infectious? Maybe like the the oddment tweak thing is like Dumbledore's cafe. Oh, yeah, there you go. I mean, there's that there's that thing from one of the from, from probably fake thing from one of the books written written by one of the fucking people who like worked with him for four years and then decided, ah, actually, I'm good now. Right. Uh, but there's that thing about like Trump being obsessed with badgers and asking like, are badgers mean and like, are are badgers cool? Can you keep a badger as a pet? That's kind of Dumbledore-ish, I guess. I guess so. That's, I mean, that seems like, oh, he, I, badgers, are they, could you I mean, keep he just a badger has a normal as a pet? pet, though, he's got a bird. Yeah, he's got a, yeah, he's already got a cool pet, so, yeah, that, the dark Dumbledore. Just on, like, a, I don't know, okay, first of all, I don't know shit about poetry. I'm just yeah. gonna come out and say it, I really right. don't. Um, yeah. that's why well, we gotta get cultured. I'm just, I'm just, like, wondering about this maneuver that, that, that they're doing, where it's, like, he's the bad, g- good guy. The good guy, but bad. What if the good guy was bad? It's it's just like the good guy, but he's actually bad. Yeah, I don't is know. Is it because he's like the president, and it's like the president is good, but what if the good president was bad? <laughs> That's kind of Harry Potter. That's the plot of Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, the president. The the president is good. It, uh, uh, no question. It's there. good but to what be if the bad... president, but what, right. if, what if? Yeah, what if a bad guy was president? Right. What if what if Dark Dumbledore had post nut clarity? Yeah, dizzy with release. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. This, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is embarrassing on several levels. Um, sorry to subject everyone to to this poem, but sometimes, hey, culture, uh, uh not always pretty. You know, you've got to. You gotta uh, uh, have an open mind, and uh, and and you know, listen to some some, some uh, stuff outside of like your normal normal that's stuff. Right. You know, <laughs> you got you gotta you gotta expand your horizons and go to the Atlantic and find an uh, a, a badass uh, Trump rebuttal poem that mentions Dumbledore. <laughs> Inspiring. I mean, this one did take him down, though. We've been saying <laughs> that for a we while. Got, folks, we got him finally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the part of this poem in particular that I find so funny. Calling him Dumbledore, Dark Dumbledore, and like taking this "oh, it sounds so tired" thing. It's like, yeah, he, but it happened. Like he got the four years. Nobody did anything, right? Like, so, also, isn't Voldemort like specifically Dark Dumbledore? Like, kind of, yeah, like, that's sort of the vibe. Yeah, he's like, yeah. What if, yeah, he's he's absolutely his foil, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Could, did they were were they were they operating on a level where there, where it was like perhaps the poet was thinking, 
well, I know that it's corny to compare him to Voldemort. Oh, yeah. But what if, what, what if I yeah. give him the old razzle-dazzle here? Dark Dumbledore. And call him Dark Dumbledore. Because that's Dark- not corny anymore. <laughs> that's, now it's a deconstruction. Mm-hmm. Dark Dumbledore is a good, that rolls off the tongue, I will say. Triple D, Dark yeah, Dumbledore. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's a, that's like a Yu-Gi-Oh card I would be into. Oh, Dark Dumbledore, yeah. Dark Dumbledore, I feel like that's a good, that's a good, good Yu-Gi-Oh card, or a, mm-hmm. um, a, a screen name, perhaps. Right. Perhaps a, perhaps a good Steam name you might see in, uh, in Counter-Strike or try, something. Try this one on for size. Yeah. Darth Dumbledore. Ooh. Ooh. Is that something? That's, that's a screen name, I'll tell you that. That's a screen name. Let's Google Darth Dumbledore real quick. Yeah, Darth, let's. Darth Dumbledore. Darth Dumbledore. <laughs> okay. Um, surprisingly few uh, results on that one. That's a freebie. The top... Okay, so there's a YouTube channel called sure. Darth Dumbledore. Okay. Um, there is a TV tropes page called, and okay, I'm a little, I'm just going to read the preview here. Sure. And we're going to try and figure this out. Yeah. Uh, partially kissed hero. As a trope. Is that a trope? Is that the name of a thing? Sure. Okay. And they say the the fan oh the fi- the fixed version of Dumbledore becomes Darth Dumbledore. Mm. Okay. All right. Don't under- don't understand that at all. Moving don't right under- along. This is we're breaking new. I was expecting there to be like pages upon pages of fan art crossover. Some edits, yeah. Some edits. There's one. There's one edit that I have found in the images here. Mm-hmm. And it's Dumbledore holding a lightsaber. In one hand and a wand in the other. Better be red. And there's and there's it's red. It's a red okay. lightsaber. Okay. Star destroyers in the background. Yeah. But and this is the crucial twist to this that I think makes it not really count as what we're looking for. Sure. It's Lego Dumbledore. Oh, interesting. So it's so it's kind of I think it's kind of you know a little. So joke, it's more perhaps. of a Lego crossover than it is a a, yeah. a Darth Dumbledore. Oh, here we go. Here's something. Here's a picture of um. Snape and Dumbledore having a lightsaber fight. Oh. Oh but, yeah. But it's backwards. It's it's Dumbledore is Qui-Gon Jinn. Right, and he's and he's Not, getting, and it's and it is there it is Snape and Dumbledore's head photoshopped onto onto a scene from Star Wars. Yes. And Snape so, is, is Darth Maul here. Yeah. Um so kind of surprising. Darth Dumbledore not not as mined, perhaps, as I, I would have expected. Now, do you think that Darth Maul deserved a, like, Snape-style redemption uh, memory arc? I would have loved for Darth Maul <laughs> to get literally anything. <laughs> yeah, I still I still don't know who that guy is. He's a very cool-looking dude who has some sweet moves, uh, who is not a character. Yeah, um, I don't I don't really know what his deal is. It so, is ma- so maybe sick. he does have, have that. I think in Clone in Clone Wars, no, it's not Clone Wars, it's Rebels, because I've seen Clone Wars, I haven't seen it. Apparently in Rebels he gets like a lot of backstory. Cool. Uh, which, yeah, that's neat. I remember I, I I do have some like old 
Darth Maul lore stuck in my head, mm-hmm. um, which is so before way obviously way before Clone Wars and stuff. Yeah, um, there were those like middle grade Star Wars books. Sure, uh, that were like for kids, and yeah. there was one that I never read this, but a friend. So so this is a weird situation where like a a, f- a friend of mine in like middle school, mm-hmm. um had their like i'm done with star wars moment really early yeah uh because they they read one of these middle grade books Mm -hmm. and it was there there were these i think it was like two or three there were a series that were like they tried to do like star wars epistolary novels for kids (laughs) where it was like here's anakin's diary wonderful here's here's obi-wan's like investigation log in clone in attack of the clones yeah and one of them was a darth maul book and it was like here's darth maul's journal kind of before and leading up to the phantom menace i love that it's a great idea um but the the one detail i know from it because my friend thought it was so funny and stupid Mm -hmm. and, and like swore off star wars because of it for a while um was that uh I I guess Darth Maul liked to refer to his stomach as his tummy all the time. <laughs> and and my friend just thought that was the funniest fucking thing in the world. It was like Darth Darth Maul's really lame. He keeps on talking about his tummy. That's so funny. <laughs> like, just that like I I so I've never read this book. I don't know. It, like I said, it's there's a it's gonna it's got to be called something like the Jedi Diaries or they, they were they were like first person like diary entry style novels for kids. And apparently Darth Maul just talks a lot about his tum tum in, hmm. in one of them. And that's, that's huh. if anyone knows what book that is and remembers, please let me know because it sounds very funny. But like that's that is whenever I hear people ask about like what's Darth Maul's backstory. His tummy it, hurts. His tummy. His tummy hurts. <laughs> uh, um, maybe. It, maybe it's like because I assume that he. I, I don't know what is what is English in Star Wars it's like common or something. Yeah, basic. So maybe it's like a translation error on his part. Like he probably <laughs> like grew. I can't remember where those aliens are from, but then he had to like learn common, and and maybe that's just what the the word yeah, he learned he for stomach. He's like, yeah, oh, it's he, my tummy. Wait, tell me, yeah, he never learned like the the more grown up sounding words or something. Right. It was like, yeah. yeah, so yeah, I could see that. It's it's there's a lore explanation, perhaps. Yeah, and I think I think also the gist of it was that like he kept mentioning his tum his tummy as like a really dumb bit of like ironic foreshadowing because he's gonna get cut in half eventually. Oh, right? yeah. So it's just like it, it like every fucking diary entry is like, oh my, I felt. Oh, I love my tummy. It would be I too bad my... if it got cut in half. <laughs> <laughs> Please I don't hurt my tummy. Survive if my tummy was cut in half. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> J.K. Rowling isn't the only one who uses foreshadowing. <laughs> anyway, there's my there's my Darth Maul story. <laughs> I just, whenever I hear about Darth Maul, I have to think about him and his tummy. Yeah, um, I, I feel like I was really missing out because when I was going through my Star Wars phase, I was also going through my very snobby phase where I was like, mm. I won't re- read kids books anymore. So I was like, I felt very um, like above it all and be like, yeah. I, will not, I will not read these 
these novellas for children. I'm reading the Han Solo trilogy from the adult sci-fi <laughs> section. <laughs> Those books are cool. He fights like a Terminator army in one. I of those. know, and he hangs out with like this cool cat man. Those yeah. Are yeah, those are good books. I've got I've got those somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, and and like Splinter of the Mind's Eye and Hell all those yeah. like, really old ones. Yeah, that was the good uh, shit. Yeah, old old Star Wars expanded universe shit rules. No tummies um, in there. It's no for tummies adults in- only. <laughs> Serious shit only <laughs> in the Adventures of Han Solo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway, we've got some news to talk about. Uh, for a different mega franchise, mm. um, we're we're gonna hop. We're gonna uh uh, uh f- hold on. Let me think of how how I'm gonna phrase this. We're gonna come out of hyperspace in the Potter sector. Yeah. And read uh, uh some news here. Uh, there's a new there's a new sheriff in town for the Harry Potter franchise. Oh. Um the the president of the uh, 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 Warner Bros. Kids Division okay. is now overseeing the entire Harry Potter franchise. So is that like a demotion or? So I will read the article <laughs> and and Lat will not become clear, but we can perhaps <laughs> puzzle it out together. Okay. The Harry Potter franchise is getting a little bigger. This is from The Wrap, uh, a Hollywood kind of gossip website. Um, Tom Ashaim, the president of Warner Brothers Kids, Young Adults, and Classics, will now oversee the Harry Potter franchise and the Wizarding World brand. The Potter brand comes in addition to his current duties, and the announcement was made Thursday. This this actually happened like an hour Wait, ago. Wait, he just got more work? Yeah, he just got more work. He didn't like... <laughs> That's too bad. Yeah, this was not like a lateral move. He I just hate got when some that happens. New shit on his desk. <laughs> yeah, this is very relatable, honestly. <laughs> like... Yeah, this was like when I got made like head of my department and I was like, cool, does that change anything? Well, you get more work. <laughs> yep. You have a you have a you have two things you need to do now. <laughs> uh the Potter brand comes in addition to his current duties, and the announcement was made Thursday by Warner Media Studios and Network Group Chair Ann Sarnoff, to whom Ashheim reports. Ashheim will now be the company's senior representative in connecting with JK JK Rowling and her representatives, including her agent Neil Blair along with Chief Creative Officer at the Blair Partnership, James McKnight, in determining priorities and opportunities for the Harry Potter franchise. He will also be looking to enhance the content universe related to the Wizarding World property for the studio's various outlets and platform partners. So, he has been made the buffer, is what I am learning here. Yeah, I think this, if, if this guy was my buddy... If if I was buddies with this guy, I'd be like, you need to find a new job, like, right now. Yeah, this is not, this does not sound like a promotion. This is, it is now your job to be in direct contact with the most controversial figure we deal with. Uh, that, that doesn't sound great. Um, uh, and this is the weirdest part. And this is the part where I, th- where I'm going to get a little, a little conspiratorial, perhaps. All right. Further, the ongoing Fantastic Beasts franchise will continue to be managed by Warner Brothers Pictures Group. The franchise-based video games will continue to be handled by Warner Brothers Games, and Warner Brothers Studio Tour London will be managed by Worldwide Studio Operations. Okay. 
So he is actually not getting the keys to all of Harry Potter. Hmm. He's... This is weird. So he will be responsible for, like, as it says here, enhancing the content universe relating to the Wizarding <laughs> World property for the studio's various outlets and platform partners. But let's think about what those various outlets and platform partners are. Film? Well, you've got the Fantastic Beasts franchise over at the Warner Brothers Pictures Group. Uh, video games? Well, Warner Brothers Games and Portkey has that tied up. Yeah. Uh, the theme parks? No, we've got a company for that. It's Worldwide Studio Operations. So, Did what's... he just get assigned to be the J.K. Rowling Wrangler? <laughs> like, is that, is that what he like. got told? He's like, you have to deal with this person. His job is to deal with J.K. Rowling and, like, I'm, assu- I'm assuming the, like, unspoken thing here is to, like shut her off of these things because he if he is if if he is in direct contact with her and he and he is her new link to warner brothers but he is not responsible for fantastic beasts the theme park or the video games like what's his what what's the what's going on what's the job hmm is this, this is this like opening chess move into getting J.K. Rowling out of here? Is that what this is? Or it's is it, more stuff. I feel like it has to go one of those one of those yeah, ways, right? The, I get, but 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 like, what more stuff could it be? I, so so there's the other TV show, right? So I was kind of curious if this is maybe going the opposite way where it says further, the ongoing fantasy beast film franchise will continue to be managed by the Warner Bros. pictures group. Um, Is this now going to be like second tier? And then the guy who is working with the new stuff is going to be working directly with JK Rowling on like making a new streaming TV series or another movie, right? Like Mm -hmm. maybe that's what, maybe this is doubling down on that and being like, we're, we're creating a new division for new stuff and all the stuff that already exists is sort of like going to continue on its own. Maybe. Hmm. It's very, very interesting. I'm still uh, his- just stuck on this list of other stuff he's in charge of, and then, like, adding this to the pile. Like, it's, like, children's books, or not books, but children's media, classics, and now this. And this, YA. like, mystery kids, job. Kids, YA, and classics, and then also you're, you're the JK Wrangler. <laughs> so, w- which also, I got to imagine at Warner Bros., uh, kids, young adults, and classics, I would imagine that's, like, most of their shit, right? Like... I mean, I guess, nah, I guess the Don't superhero stuff Don't they just do everything? Count. Yeah, Warner Brothers owns a lot know. of shit. But, like, they have a lot of cartoons and, 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 and stuff. So, yeah, kind of a big work pile for, uh, for Mr. Asheim here. Uh, his work will build on the previous Harry Potter global franchise development team, which was founded in 2014. And was, so this was made, I think, if we're going back to 2014, this would have been made to, incubate fantastic beasts mm-hmm. uh, and was previously overseen by josh berger who stepped down from his executive responsibilities late last year so like a month ago um the members of the team will now become part of the global brands and experiences team this sounds this is all sounds like it's really well organized <laughs> 
in Harry Potter and the Wizarding World, we have an iconic franchise and characters that have been a beloved part of the lives of millions around the world. The That's new right. management of the franchise highlights its enormous importance to Warner Brothers and the myriad of opportunities we continue to see to engage and delight fans of all ages across the globe. And I'm excited for Tom to be leading our efforts and look to him and his team to work across the company to discover innovative and creative new ways of keeping the Wizarding World fresh and relevant for years to come. <laughs> Good luck! I've been an avid Harry Potter fan for years. Okay, so that was, sorry, that was a quote from Sarnoff, his boss, um, and then uh here's a quote from a i have been an avid harry potter fan for years an admiring observer of how the wizarding world franchise has been managed said as uh, uh as shime <laughs> i'm honored to now be leading the very talented individuals and teams who have done such a great job in growing this brand and its meaning and value to fans everywhere i look forward to going even further in exploring and expanding all the opportunities we have in this incredible world not a word about J.K. Rowling in either hmm. of these statements, mm -hmm. which makes me lean toward the the first thing, which is that like they're the Wranglers, and and their job is to like make Harry Potter stuff happen without her. Perhaps I will say this is like not very much of a consolation prize, but it's so nice to hear statements that don't have that like previous obligatory jk rowling is such a genius her right. mind is so amazing like that stuff yeah. is just all gone and i'm so glad yeah well so as as we have established over and over again uh nothing warner brothers is gonna do involving jk rowling is gonna be done for the right reason right mm -hmm. like it's it's all money um that being said it is still very funny to watch them seemingly move into like I don't know, phase two of five of like icing her out, you know, yeah. like, like we, we've moved from phase one, which is, uh, JK Rowling is so smart and important and we'll always, we'll always be thankful to her for creating this magical world to making statements, completely ignoring her. Uh -huh. Um, and, and yeah, who knows, who knows where they go from here, but it does seem like there has been a little bit of a progression here. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's that's the big news for the week. Um, we've got a little, a, a couple of extra little tidbits here. Mads Mikkelsen gave a little statement on why he's playing Grindelwald. Uh, if you'd like, for if you'd like, money. Well, <laughs> I think that might be for the a job. Yeah, I think that might kind of be the uh, underlying uh, message here. Sure, let's hear it. Um. I haven't been working since March because of the lockdown. All of a sudden, this came <laughs> along, and I thought it was perfect. <laughs> <sighs> all right, all right. <laughs> you said the quiet part loud. <laughs> Uh, he added that not only is his daughter a fan of the Harry Potter franchise, but he is partial to a bit of wizardry action, too, revealing, I like that universe. <laughs> Real long I just like the, I like all the parts, all the memorable lines and, and things that happen in there. The, you know, the universe. <laughs> I really like that universe. And that's it. That's all he said. Um, so, so that's a, a, another thrilling and an in-depth statement from Mads. Thank you very much. <laughs> I look forward to your virtuoso performance in this stupid movie. 
I I don't want this movie to be made. I am looking forward to the marketing. Like I said, if we have to have a stupid fucking movie, Warner Brothers is committed to making this stupid fucking movie that shouldn't exist. I'm glad that at the very least it is going to be extremely funny. Yeah. Um Yeah. Uh uh it's funny it's funny you should mention all those memorable quotes from Yeah from uh fantastic beasts i may or uh-huh. may not have something lined up for the next or for the third segment this week involving unforgettable quotes from fantastic beasts well that's gonna be really easy for me since i'm just always quoting it well i mean as we established last week uh i mean there's almost too many memorable quotes <laughs> right uh in in that film yeah so uh so so i'm excited i'm excited to uh to play a little brain teaser with you later but before we get there we've got a lot of work to do we've got to get to our chapter for this week mm-hmm. so what do you say uh <laughs> I, I'm, I was workshopping a workshopping a fantastic beasts um f- funny quote bit combined with the donnie darko why are you wearing that stupid human suit quote? But I couldn't quite make it come together. Um, so just take those pieces and imagine how we, funny that would have been. Put it, we'll put a pin in that. <laughs> maybe we, 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 look, we 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 go long on these episodes. Maybe maybe it'll come to you. We've got yeah. we got plenty of time. Yeah. Okay. But for now, yeah, we will talk about chapter thirty-two. Uh, Why are you wearing you- that fantastic beast suit? <laughs> Why are you wearing that stupid Johnny Depp suit, Grindelwald? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's chapter 32, The Elder Wand. We are back in Harry Potter times. Um, can you give me like a like a ready, set, action? What are they? Like three, like three two, one, action. All right. Yeah. Uh, three, two, one, action. All the sound cuts out. Fred drops dead. <laughs> The, the music stops. It goes into slow motion. There's like a f- that flashbang ear ringing sound as all the sound like returns to the scene. Fred's dead. This is the worst thing that's ever happened before. Um, the fight is very chaotic. There's spiders everywhere. Percy is sad that Fred is dead and is like leaning over the body. But they have to help. They're like, no, he's dead. We have to we have to drag his body away so he doesn't get exploded by the explosion spells that are happening all around us. Um, Ron is obviously inconsolable, incensed that, that Fred is dead and wants to go kill some Death Eaters. In fact, he says, I want to go kill Death Eaters, but Harry has to, you know, tell him to focus up. They've got a snake to kill. Otherwise, this is just going to like keep going like this and more people will die. Um, Hermione tells Harry, it's time. It's time to use your, your power to go into Voldemort's mind and then find out where he is so that we can go find the snake and kill the snake and kill Voldemort. So he goes into his Voldemort vision, uh, and watches a cutscene in Voldemort's mind, um, uh, Voldemort talking to Lucius Malfoy, who is in the Shrieking Shack with him, um, and Lucius is, like, basically begging Voldemort to let him go join the fight and find Draco, Uh, Draco might be dead, all this stuff, and Voldemort doesn't care. He's like, I'm not interested in this. Draco either failed or succeeded, and uh, Lucius, you suck. Um, The other thing we see is that um, Nagini is with Voldemort, and she is floating in, like, a bubble, like a protective celestial bubble, um, 
bubble shield, I guess. Um, Harry, Ron, Hermione, after Harry kind of, you know, leaves leaves the cutscene, um, have a like brief argument about their like various safety because Harry's like, okay, I have to go to the Shrieking Shack. I have to go get the snake. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't really have a plan, but I have to go, even though I know that he wants me to. Because that's the other thing Voldemort keeps saying is like, oh, Harry Potter will come to me. I'm not worried about it. Um, but you know, Hermione and Ron in typical fashion are like, no, Harry, we're not going to let you let us stay behind. We're going with you. We are always going to go with you. Um, they do get distracted though, because they have to do a little bit of fighting. Uh, and there's like a short chase scene with some Death Eaters. And I'm not even sure if they're named or not, uh, but they do the old, uh, turn the stairs into a slide trick, um, and defeat the Death Eaters that way. Um, again, we're just sort of rapid fire, like fight scenes as they're moving to go to Voldemort. Uh, McGonagall has like animated a bunch of desks and is fighting and it's cool. Everyone's dueling. It's like a cartoon battle. Peeves is dropping bombs on the Death Eaters and there's giant spiders and, um, and they pass like Draco who is, um, trying to appeal to some Death Eaters and say, no, no, guys, I'm on your side. But the Death Eaters are attacking him for some reason. And it, um, Harry, Ron, and Hermione intervene. And uh, they're like under the invisibility cloak and they hit hit the Death Eaters with a spell. Um, Ron says something to Malfoy and like punches him in the face, uh, but they're invisible. Uh, the next scene that we come across is, is Lavender Brown getting chomped on the leg by... Fenrir Greyback and they they gotta blast him. Trelawney's up on the on the like up on the other floor and she's like tennis serving crystal balls to fight. Hagrid's getting dragged away by giant spiders. Grop shows up and fights an evil. It's just it's just it's just it doesn't never stops. So they finally make their way out of the castle. A bunch of Dementors show up, hundreds of them. Uh, and Harry is like too bummed out to make a Patronus because of all the like death and battle and stuff. Um, and Hermione and Ron just still kind of suck ass at it. So they're going to die until the members of the DA arrive, which I think are Dean, Neville, Seamus, maybe? And Luna. Luna. Luna's there. And Luna's like, you can do it, Harry. Just think of something happy. Um, and then they, they have their like triumphant casting the Patronuses together and drive the Dementors away. Um, they finally get to the Whomping Willow after, like, kind of having a run-in with a giant or whatever. Um, they're under the cloak. Um, and they go into the Shrieking Shack. Um, and they're, they are invisible. And so they essentially stand hiding in a corner and watch another Voldemort cutscene where Voldemort is talking to Snape, who he has just summoned. Um, and... He keeps, like, asking leading questions to Snape about why the Elder Wand isn't really working very well for him. And Snape just doesn't, like, quite understand what's going on um, and keeps asking kind of over and over again, yeah, I don't know why, man, but I, you, should really, you should really send me to go find Harry Potter because he might die in the battle and then you won't be able to kill him. And Voldemort's like, just kind of brushes him off every single time and keeps asking these questions about like about the elder wand. And it finally like kind of reaches its conclusion here, which is that Voldemort has put together that Snape killed Dumbledore. And because of wand lore is the true owner of the elder wand. And so Voldemort has to kill Snape to take ownership of it and unlock its full potential. Um, and he's like, sort of like, he's like, sorry about it, but he doesn't seem that sorry. Um, and the method of murder is that he, 
floats the bubble shield with Nagini in it over to Snape, and Snape gets, like, engulfed by the bubble shield, and Nagini, like, bites his neck, and then Voldemort, like, walks away or leaves for some reason, um, and as Snape is, like, bleeding out on the ground, Harry, um, as if possessed by something outside of himself, mm. walks up to Snape, and kind of looks and like kneels down and Snape is dying and then like a bunch of like silvery gunk and goop starts pouring out of his ears and nose and eyes um and Snape is like get get the get the goop you've got to get my goop <laughs> get, get, scoop scoop up the goop uh, and so he like conjures a vial and then the goop goes in the vial and then he and Snape's like look at me and Harry does and then he dies uh, that's it. <laughs> this chapter should be illegal. That's it. That's, it is. It is illegal. <laughs> this is the forbidden <laughs> chapter. <laughs> the we are not exaggerating when we say that this chapter opens with like the the flashbang sound cutting out thing. Yeah, it's like clearly written for the movie. Yeah, this is the, you know there are many many pieces of these novels that have gotten increasingly like clearly cinematic um or to the point where like it, it sort of feels like a lot of this stuff is like a wish list for the movie team mm -hmm. this is the most egregious one yet i think because like i think most of the previous ones it's been like either yeah there's some stuff that just feels very visual um uh, and feels very much like a, uh, like just kind of like a, you you know what this looks like kind of I thing. Mean, I mean, it's sort of effective in that way. And I have yeah. to take it and be like, yeah, it's true. When you construct visuals this way, I do picture it as if it's a movie in my head. And if I guess if that's what you're going for, then yeah. sure. Um, But like the, most of the other things have been like, oh, it feels like sh she had watched a movie recently when she wrote this, right? <laughs> like there's there's moments in like, um, book six that feel very much like they are homages to scenes from contemporary movies of the 2000s. I mean, there's like the entire cave sequence is is so, so similar to a sequence from the Two Towers movie, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's all the diehard stuff. Um, there's the one that she's cop to, which is that like she got inspired to make the Deathly Hallows because she watched The Man Who Would Be King, right? <laughs> yeah. When it was on TV. Which is such an incredible admission. Not that it's weird, but it's so unlike her to cop right. to. Yeah, because everyone's inspired. But yeah, everyone, I, I always appreciate it when artists are, like, very upfront about, like, their influences. Um, mm -hmm. I just find that kind of thing fun, right? Like, it's, it's cool to see how people got places. Um, yeah. But she's always kept that stuff very close to the vest. I mean, there's her, she has claimed... That she, like, doesn't read fantasy novels in that, like, controversial interview, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, there's her um, uh, kind of refusal to uh, um, acknowledge any, you know, when people do point out, like, hey, oh, oh, I think there's a weird one with, like, I could be completely misremembering this, but I think people asked if Aragog was meant to be, like, did she, like, hear Aragorn and was like, oh, I can just change that. And she's been like, no is absolutely not. like I, I i'm pretty sure that's a question she's gotten before but but she's she's always maintained that like no it just appeared in my head fully formed 
uh, and and I wasn't inspired by anything specific. Um, right. This is Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, yeah, it is. Like this is this is every every war movie, m- many action movies. The part where things seem to be the battle's going well, but then oh no, there's a huge explosion. Characters get knocked over. Uh, the screen goes hazy. Maybe a little bit of slow mo. The sound completely drops out, except for like a ear ringing sound that gets louder and louder and louder as as we see the carnage. Until finally, someone like, you know, shakes the main character's shoulders and and the sound comes rushing back, right? Yeah. And then, and then the battle continues. This is that. This like, this is <laughs> right. This is beat for beat that, and it and it is so. I mean, like, look, I'm not, I'm not even. This is not me saying that, like, that's a bad movie trope. I think that's pretty effective in a lot of movies. That's a, it's a classic for a reason, right? It's a cool way to like punctuate uh, an, an escalating action sequence. But it is so silly to read about in this wizard school book. I think it doesn't belong here. Yeah, it's sort of funny to read in a novel, especially because if, like, I was writing a screenplay, I'd probably just write, like, in brackets, be like, you know, the thing with the ear ringing and the sound, <laughs> and everyone knows what that means, and that's why it sucks to read screenplays, right? Right. Um, but, uh, like, this is just so funny, and I guess I can't say that it's not effective because I know exactly what it's going yes. for because I have seen movies before. Right. It's almost, it's so weird. It's almost like sampling. Yeah. It's like... It's like remix culture, but for like books, or it's like, oh, I recognize this sample. This is the Saving Private. You're using the Saving Private Ryan sample here. I mean, right? I guess it's sort of interesting in that way. I think that YA does a lot of that, and, and mm-hmm. to some extent, like like genre in general does, just like picking, like you just kind of say, oh, you know the thing. Yeah, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's you. It's just. It's usually a couple of like. It, I I think the difference is that like. You know, obviously, everyone is influenced by art they consume. I, I like that is you know I think artists are uh, very conscious of like the things they consume and like things they're inspired by. That's great. Which is you know that's that's why genres exist. That's why you know refer- references, genres, uh, 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 like responses to other pieces of art. Right, like that 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 that's normal. That part's mm-hmm. normal. It's just that normally they're like dressed up. You know, in, like, their own new way. And the thing with this scene is that, like, until the giant spider shows up, there is nothing in this scene that's remotely, like, exclusive to Harry Potter. Like, they just got hit with artillery. <laughs> yeah, they did. Like, like, which is a new invented thing to make this scene happen. Because we've right. never, ever seen... Uh, wizard artillery before and and what a bizarre choice when this whole battle like i get it she's going through the motions of every battle it's in everything right <laughs> yeah, except yeah. it just like is seesawing between scenes from saving private ryan and scenes from the battle at the end of the beauty and the beast animated film where all the <laughs> furniture does like pranks on the uh, the pranks on the villagers and yeah. like, oh, the carpet rolled them up, and now he can't <laughs> like like that. It it is so bizarre to read. It is it, it, like it's it's not only mixing things up in like that sense. It's like so so. There's the oh my god, Percy's dead 
uh, or the, uh, Fred's dead. Percy's like screaming over the body thing. Every World War II movie does this. Oh no, Brooklyn died. Right. Uh, the the Jerry's got him. Right. Like like that. That's every every movie. And then, uh, but the part where this really becomes like brain shattering to me <laughs> uh-huh. is when. Harry goes to, like, look through the hole that the artillery blew, and yeah. a giant spider shows up, and yeah. he shoots the giant... And, and, like, that's not the part that's weird. It's when he shoots the giant spider away, and he sees more giant spiders, and then he turns around and says, they brought friends. Like They this can is, fly now? They can fly- They fly now? <laughs> exactly! It's a fucking Star Wars one-liner. <laughs> so it's it's... It's a pastiche that's like not even able to uh uh maintain one like genre reference for more than a page. Uh and it really suffers for that. Yeah, it just doesn't really do any of the things very well. Right. It 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 it, it you it's it, you get constant whiplash reading this chapter because like you read a thing and you go, "I know exactly what this is because I've seen movies before." And then you go to the next thing and it's like, hang on, I also recognize this because I've seen movies before, but this is a different movie. It's like, this is a Ready Player One-ass chapter. No! But, but with, like, rather than, like, specific, like, brand references, it's like, you know all these scenes from war movies and 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 action movies and comedy? Like, it's just every, every, uh, 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 famous beat and trope from action sequences in cinema is present here yeah and it just feels like every single individual scene is just her like writing like you know what it is (laughs) you know you know what the fuck's happening i mean i can't stress enough to like um this was written this would have been written in like 2006 2007 right sure um this was like movie battle heaven and it's in early 2000s the the Lord of the Rings movies, back-to-back, 2002-2003, you got Helm's Deep and the Battle of Pelennor Fields, uh, and then every movie all of a sudden ended with a big fucking battle. Oh, um, yeah. Everything had a battle. I think that's why I stopped watching movies. <laughs> I don't blame I, you. I haven't, I, I haven't gone back. I'm like, I, tr- I'm, like, treading cautiously into watching <laughs> movies again. <laughs> I, I love Lord of the Rings. I think they're great. The great movies. Um, but there is no denying that, like, the thing that happened in their wake, where every movie tried to do that for a while, kind of ruined movies for a while. Like, everyone trying to do that, and just every movie having a big fucking battle between two armies at the end, uh, kind of got tiresome. Um, yeah and and so this this is firmly in that like cultural sphere of like everything ends with a fucking medieval battle you know i didn't didn't really expect these last couple harry potter books to feel so much of their time right yeah because the the thing you always hear about harry potter is like oh it's timeless right Mm -hmm. and i think to a degree that's sort of true i think that i think that maybe those first three or four books you could say like yeah these are very uh you you read these now and 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 nothing is going to leap out at you really but like i mean that's the problem right is that the first few or first few books are are really pulling like heavily heavily from just 
like classic children's books. Yeah. And so those are going to feel timeless. And then all of a sudden, these last two are pulling from 2000s blockbuster movies. Yeah, it's 2000s. It's it's cynical 2000s espionage and 2000s blockbuster battle films. So all of a sudden became her obsession. Like, 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 and that is such a weird weird thing to mix uh you know like to have like enemy of the state and lord of the rings happening in the same book i mean like look i like both of those that sounds kind of sick honestly but it is not executing here it doesn't Uh, feel very deliberate either right right and that yeah that's the thing where i i don't i mean like there's there's no answer to this right we can only kind of like approach this like as as like you know guesses and, and 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 critical uh uh, analysis but like i i am really interested in the level that um she was thinking about becoming a screenwriter at this point mm-hmm. or whether she was thinking about that at this point mm-hmm. um i think that there's something really interesting about her like journey as a writer where she um wrote these 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 books and then clearly around book five got tired of the genre she was working in like the children's mystery and pivoted to espionage um and and stuff and you know granted like a lot like th- this is often heralded as like one of the best parts of the series is like oh it, gr- it grew up with the audience right but but there was absolutely a definite change in book five forward I think um, this movie thing was set, is the the missing piece in my head because I right. always like kind of bounced. I would always hear that and I always bounced off of it. And I'm like, really, is that really what happened? And I'm like, no, it really just changed genre to blockbuster movie. Yeah, and I, and I I really do wonder if either consciously or unconsciously, um, J.K. Rowling writing the books from book five forward suddenly had just an entirely different mindset because she was writing stuff that she knew would be a movie in the next year or so. Right. And that's a odd position for an author to be in because like either when 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 authors have their their work turned into films, it's always or at that point it was usually like this book was really famous and popular. We are going to make a movie out of it. Sometimes the author got to be involved. Sometimes they didn't. But, like, it was always a matter of, like, this thing exists already and we are going to uh, uh, make a film out of it. J.K. Rowling, like, they started making these movies between, uh, between books four and five. Or mm-hmm. books three and four uh, uh, uh somewhere around there I'm, I'm, yeah something like that um so all of a sudden and, and not only that but the movies were a hit right like it, it wasn't a matter of like oh they tried to make a harry potter movie while the series was still going and it sucked and everyone kind of forgot about it it was that first harry potter movie came out and like for as for as dry and boring as that movie is <laughs> like it was a fucking like that was a f- cultural phenomenon. Like, yeah. like that was when Harry Potter blew the fuck up was when that movie came out. Um, and like for a while it was like star Wars, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Those were the three cultural pillars, uh, yeah. in, in America and the UK. Um, and 
that is uh, and, and this this isn't even me being critical of jk rowling this is like that is just an unprecedented position to be in if you are an author who four years ago was on benefits all of a sudden your the movie with your name on it is the biggest movie in the world it's like number two at the box office mm-hmm. uh um like that's gotta change something about the way you approach your art right because all of a sudden you have you have like the lathe of heaven at that point you can make whatever you want to happen happen you can write yeah. uh 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 the 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 spells look like cool lasers and uh uh you know there's giant battles and there's uh, a cool uh, there's wizard artillery now i mean like like there's just you you have a different responsibility almost at that point mm-hmm. um, because you're, 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 you're thinking about this not only as a book, but like, yeah, also this needs to be a movie. And I just, I, I'm so curious whether that is maybe why this happened. And I don't know. Like, I, I could not tell you if this was conscious or unconscious, you know, how, how deliberate it was, but like, as these books get more cinematic and pull more directly from like, you you know, the scenes you read and you just say, I know exactly what, what kind of scene in a movie this is. I Mm -hmm. wonder if there's a total reason for that, which is like, she was fully aware that like, yeah, this is going to be a movie. Yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you go and see your work adapted like that and not have, have that mental shift occur? Right. It's impossible. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, this is the, like, the other author that this has happened to is George R. R. Martin, right? Yeah. And he just went in the complete opposite direction. He just shut down. Like, they got to where the books were, and he still hadn't delivered the next book. And right. And there, there is a big part of me that is very sympathetic to that. It's like, yeah, how how do you follow that? Because it's 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 one thing, you know, I I maintain that like adaptations don't have to be the same as the originals in fact i I usually prefer that they're not i prefer that they do something different um but there's no denying that like for as popular as the game of thrones books were once it became a tv series that's a different ball game uh Mm -hmm. that that you're that you're dealing with um and it's got it had to have been the same for harry potter just like wait a second like I can go to a movie theater and see the thing I wrote, right? Like, that's just so weird. There's no way that wouldn't affect you. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I think it's very interesting to look at these. Because I think you're totally right. I think that these books get more dated the more recent they get, which is a very yeah. weird thing. Yep. Um, but But they so clearly are pulling from... 2000s pop culture in a way that they didn't before that is very funny yeah because before they felt much more like c.s lewis inspired and things mm-hmm. like that um rolled doll ne- <laughs> i'm imagining if c.s lewis had ha- started having movies made like the narnia <laughs> movies while he was writing them 
um, because I'm like, how would the Voyage of the Dawn Treader be different? Because that was a hilarious like movie franchise because they were trying to make blockbusters out of those children's books. And then they yeah. got to Voyage of the Dawn Treader and they're like, wait, what do we do with this? Yeah, this movie is 90% going to be just on a boat with nothing happening. Right. <laughs> we have to make an emotional scene where a rat drives his boat off the earth that's the that's the, that's the climax yeah uh-oh <laughs> yeah oh yeah um have i ever told the story about how when i first read that book i like mentally pictured Cheap as pikachu that's adorable. Because I was like, yeah, his name is Reepicheep. That sounds like Pikachu. That's Pikachu. That's, that's, like, Pikachu. The, that's like the hidden middle stage. It's just <laughs> like Pikachu, Reepicheep, Raichu. Raichu. <laughs> just like, you know, imagining me, me crying as, uh, as no, Pikachu, Pikachu drives his boat off the, off the <laughs> off edge the of the earth, world. Yeah, 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 that's horrible. <laughs> Pikachu, no. <laughs> Pikachu, come back. <laughs> um, But yeah, I just, I, I think that that is such a, 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 a weird position for an author to be in. And I think those are kind of like the two. I mean, like, I think this has happened more than more than just these two times. You know, like Game of, I just think that like with Game of Thrones and Harry Potter, it was like these things not only got adaptations midstream, they were instant fucking huge smashes. Uh, and I, I just think that there's no way that that didn't have some kind of influence on her. Definitely. It it's it also sort of goes I've been asking myself this and it's that how on earth was book 7 well received by fans at the time? Mm-hmm. But I but I it sort of goes a little ways to explaining that I think because I think that there is a fandom perspective where it's like yeah, the thing you like being turned into a book version of a blockbuster movie of that thing is probably at least satisfying in a way if you are of that time, right? Yeah, I could see that. Uh, like, if if you are someone who is going and seeing all of the big battle movies, you know, in the 2000s. Yeah, and it's like, this whips. I love this. I love yeah, culture. Exactly. <laughs> if, if, if this is the thing you like in 2000, uh, 2007, and then, uh, you know, if, if you just got back from seeing 300, which I think was the same year as this. Yeah, and you're like, damn, that whipped. Yeah, you were like, 300 was fucking cool. It was it was cool when the arrows blocked out the sun. Uh, uh, what's the next Harry Potter book going to be about? Oh shit, there's a big fucking battle, and there's spiders and artillery. Yeah, you probably would be pretty into that. Yeah, unfortunately, I was not one of those people, and I right. was the person that was like, ah, I guess I'm just going to not watch movies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> work on me very well i was the same but like for the for like uh, probably like a less a less uh uh like having good taste reason for me it was like you can't do any better than lord of the ring like you, did you watch helm's deep you can't do that again like that's fair enough i'm not even trying to say i have good taste i just was like <laughs> i was like no i'm far too cerebral for this i'm going to watch donnie darko Whoa. that was what i was so worried about like like when when we were Leading up to this book, my like my biggest worry was like, am I gonna find out that I was just a, a stupid asshole as a kid? And the answer is yes, I probably was. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's just, kids. Yeah, I I was a stupid asshole as a teenager, <laughs> but like, I I think I was right about this not being a good book. 
if mm-hmm. I was right, if I was right about one thing as a teenager, it was like, yeah, it maybe wasn't the best direction for Harry Potter to go to have a big, a big fucking, uh, uh, like medieval castle battle at the end. Yeah, that has become extremely dated in a way that I did not expect. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it it is just so. I mean, like we'll we'll continue through the rest of this chapter because we kind of go through like a bunch of different stages, like just different. I mean, they are cutscenes, right? Like it, it is Harry. Harry is walking around and just getting little glimpses of like famous battle moments. Um, yeah, I mean, it is sort of hard to talk about because I am sure that there's like a way to dig deep into it. But at the like my effect just reading it overall was that it's just random stuff happening to random yeah. people that looks cool or sounds yeah. cool. In, 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 until the, the two pieces that are important here um, in order are that. Hermione tells Harry to use his special eyes to yeah. to watch a Voldemort cutscene. Yeah. Um, and then they go and try and get to the Shrieking Shack. Those are like the two chronologically important things that happen here. Mm-hmm. Everything else is a fucking slurry. So I wouldn't worry. Let's not worry too much about like whether we're talking about it in the right order, I guess. Yeah. Um I mean, I guess Fred's dead too. Yeah, Fred died. Um that's very sad. We're all so sad about Fred, that character we love so much. Um, Percy yells Rookwood. Again, another character. Oh, finally, Rookwood gets Rookwood! To, Rookwood finally gets his comeuppance at the hands of Percy. It's about time. It's about time. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> these well established, Yeah, these well-established <laughs> villains are finally getting theirs. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it, it really is just a... A bizarre, like, I mean, it's like an advent calendar. You just turn the page and like, here's a, what, what weird, ba- is it going to be like a serious battle thing or a funny battle thing each, each time you turn the page? Oh, you know, and Flitwick and Yaxley are dueling. You know, we've been waiting for the showdown for several seasons <laughs> now. Uh, and finally! we're so, so excited to see it finally happening. Um, but yeah, it's sort of like that, like a car- the cartoon gag where like, you know, you open a bunch of doors and like see just like random stuff. And there's <laughs> a monster in a room roaring at you. And yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, not that door. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the MV, MV, like bizarre, like sometimes within like the same paragraph, like tonal shifts between this being no you need to take this very seriously because people are fucking dying people are fucking dying left and right and then and then it being like a funny joke beauty and the beast battle right like i mean i think the the best example of this is the the death eater slide (laughs) yeah so so they're being pursued by death eaters uh the trio is and they get to some stairs and hermione has the quick thought to because they know, because I guess they they know that this ends in like a secret passage through a tapestry or whatever to make it into a slide. Yeah, and that's cute. Like that's fun. Uh, that's a a kind of a again kind of another movie classic here. <laughs> yeah, but like Home Alone, right? Like, right. I, yeah. Sure. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. Um. But but they then... should let Chris Columbus do this movie again. Bring it back for the last one. <laughs> right oh that would have been if that would have been like the final piece to make this all work if if we have to like if we're if we're stuck in a time loop of bad harry potter adaptations and, and books <laughs> coming out 
Yeah. And we're, we have to, we have to find the miracle timeline where like we, we make these books good and the movies good. Yeah. I feel like the one, the, the way that you, you solve this puzzle mm-hmm. is you, you convince JK Rowling that it should be just like Harry and Voldemort in the castle at the end. Yep. And yep. you say, yep. and what if we got Chris Columbus back and we did like a big home alone set piece at the end? Absolutely. And it's like it's like Harry and Voldemort trying to trap each other in this castle that they think that they know better than the other person. That sounds excellent. That's that's the miracle timeline. Mm-hmm. But they go down this slide and it's very funny. It's like we like we're, we're we turn the stairs into a slide. And then Hermione, <laughs> as as soon as they like e- escape, she like turns the uh, the tapestry that like blocks the passage into bricks or whatever. Yeah. And they smash in, and the Death Eaters that are chasing them smash into it, and it says, "Oh, and they they could hear two sickening crunches." As- I just I just want to know what that means. Like, did they like break their necks and like insta die? Is that what it's yeah, trying they- to tell me? <laughs> or are they getting are they getting like wily e. coyoted? I. It's like both. the whole scene has the tone of Wiley e. Coyote, but then it's like, I mean, it's it's a creepy pasta. It's like I saw a version of Wiley e. Coyote where at the end Wiley e. Coyote ran off the cliff and fell down, but then there was a too realistic crunch at the end. It's a and fucking then... Happy Tree Friends ass scene, is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and then the and then the it became black and white, but Wiley e. Coyote's eyes were really realistic as he looked into the camera and begged begged me, the viewer, to kill him because he was at the bottom of this cliff <laughs> and his bones were all broken and there stop, was a really stop, I'm getting scared. I'm getting odd, scared. The music became all slowed down and then scared. Yeah. yeah it's, it's just so <laughs> it does not elicit any emotional reaction from me because it's like, well, but this was a joke two seconds ago. And it's, it's very and it, confusing. And it doesn't it doesn't because it keeps on then proceeding to tell more wacky battle stories, uh it doesn't it, it's not like a oh this was funny until it's not type thing. It's a it's just like it's funny and then it's scary and then it's funny. Because like right after this happens, we hear the sickening crunches of these guys clipping into the wall. Uh, yeah. their heads are smushed and their brains are oozed. oh isn't it so <laughs> fucked up i bet you want to see what's on the other side of that new wall you sicko yeah I bet yeah i do yeah you want to see you want to see the fucked up shit that hermione did and then like mcgonagall runs by with like a herd of desks yeah that are alive what, what are those gonna do <laughs> shouldn't we just be shooting at this point <laughs> we've already used mind control yeah yeah why not yeah, McGonagall has already been using the unforgivable curses, so just use the gun spell. I, like, I hate to do this. I know that we've been talking about how to let, like, like magic should be more creative, but like at this point, like once you're in Saving Private Ryan, it yeah. is hard to like mentally go back to like goofy magic stuff, right? Because like even right before the slide scene, we had the like the scene of like I from every single war movie where Ron is like. In unconsolable, they're like holding him back. I'm sure he's like crying and like snots running down his face, and, like spittle everywhere. It's like I'm gonna fucking kill these guys. Yeah. And now we're doing like slide hijinks. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like pick one, please. <laughs> these these two, I like. I I love a good mashup. I love it when when a thing 
is 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 pulling from multiple inspirational sources but it, it it needs to find a way to marry them in an interesting way and this just doesn't it's like it it, it just ping pongs between the two I guess uh, it could be like sort of funny if it was on purpose yeah if it was like kind of a send-up of like war movie tropes that would be kind of funny but it's not like that's never been Harry Potter's thing right like like because we got like a serious heist movie thing in this right like yeah like we it's it's um it's 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 it just reads as as like earnest inspiration yeah it was really funny when ron was like i'm i want to kill death eaters i want to kill death eaters i want to kill death eater like just just really really lame character writing here it is it is so um the, the, I mean, like, like again, it was si- similar with like the the way that artillery was invented to have this scene <laughs> happen. Like, like it is just the, these characters aren't like even more transparently maybe than like the youth pastor scenes in previous chapters. Mm-hmm. These are no longer characters; these are vehicles to deliver the like facts of the kind of scene that you know this is to you <laughs> right because like you said like he is that he is the guy they're having to hold back and say remember the mission we've got to go we've got to do the mission mm-hmm. you got to leave him it's it's every every squad in a in a world war ii movie or whatever oh they killed the cool they killed the nice one with glasses no and his, and his friend and they, they weren't friends at the beginning because they're <laughs> i don't know they're from different high school they like different they like they like different baseball teams. Yeah, and they're kind of jerks to each other. But then they they build a rapport. They maybe help. You know, wait. Maybe they're getting away in a jeep at one point, and 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 the guy with glasses holds his hand out and rescues the guy. And they, oh, mm-hmm. they've got some camaraderie. But then oh no, a shell hits them, and everyone's uh, fine except glasses. No. And and he's like, oh, I love that guy. You sons of bitches! I'll take take y'all on. It's like no, Rodney. <laughs> Brooklyn knew what he signed up for. We've got to, we gotta get to Blueberry Hill. We gotta save Hill. Ryan. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta save Ryan. Every one of these fucking movies is here, and like Ron's not that character. No, <laughs> no one in this series is any of these characters. Also, Fred hasn't been in the book. <laughs> Right, Fred never reached his hand out from the jeep to to get Ron on board. Like this, <laughs> it's it's all just fucking absolutely meaningless because these are these are just scenes. These are not culminations of any sort of setup. It's just like no, this here's the flashbang scene. Here's the. Here's the they fly now scene. Here's the uh here's the home alone slide scene. Here's there's the giant wrestling part that yeah. happens. <laughs> yeah. Like there again more more just like fantasy movie bullshit happening in this. Uh two two giants having a big wrestling match. Also, until I confirmed it went back and reread and confirmed that it was like Death Eater magic artillery that blew up the wall. Mm-hmm. There was a part of me that when we got to the, like the giant set piece, yeah, I was like, did it? 
is what happened in Fred's death scene that a giant like cartoon fist flew through the wall and punched <laughs> him because that would be insanely funny. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that's what happened. I think I don't the, think so. the giant who's punching Hogwarts is separate from whatever happened to to Fred. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But yeah, this 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 bit where Harry and Ron and Hermione are like watching a wrestling match happen and like the big foot comes down and like again, another just another movie scene. This is this is when they ride the horse under the uh, the giant elephant's foot in Lord of the Rings, and then it like stomps down, and like all the horses follow. Like it, it is to a T a fantasy movie battle scene of like, oh, the big the big foot is here because there's a yeah, and and like in the way that the very first scene with like the ear ringing sound immediately conjured, like it was effective in that I understood and and was kind of I got the part where it's like you know what it is like yeah. immediately I had to read the foot thing like three times <laughs> I was like that is that is I'm like oh I see what you're doing here but it took me like a couple read throughs to conjure up that scene <laughs> uh then they started re- I mean like she literally just says like they start wrestling they start wrestling um, moving on yeah, she uses some other words that are, uh, I would say, are not choice. Um, no. Uh, this is a bad a bad scene. Uh, go back and listen to our Grop episode, is what I'll say. Uh, more of the same shit. More of the same bad shit uh, about Grop here, and, and the way that giants are portrayed. Um, but then, not only... So, like, let's set the stage here. Half of the castle has been artilleried away. Yeah. Presumably there's more shell wizard shells hitting the castle at this they're loading point. they're loading them into the catapult they're loading, right um uh there are two giants having uh, they're just no holds barred they're doing arm bars they're they're doing suplexes they're just full-on wrestling <laughs> in the background here how um, tall are they are they like 10 feet tall are they like 30 feet tall I think, I'm really unclear about that part. So there's the bit. So we know Grop, I know Grop is, is like, small. Grop is like 12 feet tall, I think. Sorry about my keyboard sounds. No, 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 no. It's good. This is important. Approximately 25 feet tall. Okay, so that's a big fella. Those are some big boys. Big boys uh, having a big wrestling match. Um, and. What else should show up in this moment? Mm. But 100 Dementors. Oh, yeah. That's a full battalion of Dementors. <laughs> full battalion of Dementors! <laughs> uh, this is, this is like, uh, this is just another part to me that, like, because um, there's a weird shift here uh, in, 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 like, the way... I, I, again, I, I, I just have to imagine she, like, she was thinking about writing because before the two thousands, all of these like fantasy novels with big battles and stuff in them, and like magical creatures and stuff, like I'm sure you remember this even if even if you weren't like a fan of it at the time, but like people saying like, like oh, Lord of the Rings would be unfilmable, right? Like. Mm. Yeah. Like like oh there's there's all these you know there's goblins and orcs and giant elephants and and and, and all these creatures there's dragons like you can't make a movie out of that that looks good. They tried with that shitty 70s cartoon, 
right? Like that was just like the refrain until those movies came out and everyone liked them. And it was like, oh shit, we can do this with movies now. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I, for, I think for a while that was sort of like, like the appeal of like novels is that like, they were telling stories that were like too big for any other medium. Oh yeah. Like a novel, like you can, I mean, you can literally write whatever you want. And so like, if you want to say, yeah, 10,000 guys uh, ran in a big line at 10,000 other guys in a castle. Right. You could just do that because, like, who cares? It, like, the scope of the story can be whatever you want. Um, and, th- but, like, I think that that mentality kind of had to, like, tick over the other direction for J.K. Rowling at the, cer- at the point where, like, these movies were coming out, the Harry Potter movies were real, and and, like, she could see exactly what was possible and she was like no now there are 100 dementors and two giants fighting at the same time right <laughs> where it's like it's yeah. it's like a different mindset like previously it was this is never i don't need to no no author in like the 70s writing a writing a fantasy novel is like i better make this scalable to the screen right right like, no one's thinking about that J.K. Rowling all of a sudden is thinking about that, but isn't thinking like, so I better scale it down. She's like, movie magic can make literally fucking anything happen. So there's a castle that's exploding, there's a giant wrestling match, and there's a hundred Dementors on screen. Yeah. This is all happening. It's all happening. It's all happening. You can see it all. You can see it. We can see it all. We're right there in the middle of the action. The, The foot goes over Harry's head. As the as the the giant is revealed, <laughs> it's very it's very funny. Um, there's some choice words here with the Dementors. Is there? Yeah. Can you can can you? No, remember? I don't even. I don't remember. You don't remember what the Dementors do on their way to Harry? No. Oh yes, I do. Yes, you do. <laughs> They're sucking their way over. They're sucking Sorry, their way it's over. It's so to fucked him. up. I just like <laughs> mentally blocked it out. <laughs> the Dementors are sucking their way over to Harry. I take it. It's not fucked up. It's the it's the greatest line in this whole book. It's I. It's certainly the funniest line in the whole series. Uh, yeah. Uh, whether whether or not uh, it's um. Oh, it's good. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good. Um. Oh, sorry. There's I'm ju- I'm just trying to get all the battle stuff out of the way before we talk all about like the actual plot that happens here. Yeah. Um. There's one extra part of the battle that I think is very important, as uh, not quite as important as the Dementors sucking their way uh, mm-hmm. towards Harry. Yeah. But it is this comedy routine with Draco. <laughs> yeah. And and the invisibility cloak because because so we've we've had the plenty of scenes where harry has and we're going to get another one in this chapter where harry is like immobilized and watches an important cutscene. yes and gets a key piece of information that's a classic classic harry potter thing um but like she kind of pulled out all the stops because uh, a a thing we're kind of neglecting to mention about all these scenes is that a bunch of the the battle like stuff that is happening is being observed by harry while he, Ron, and Hermione are traveling underneath the invisibility cloak through mm-hmm. the battle. Yes. Not participating. Their, their feet are out, though. 
with their yeah, their feet are out. And oh, uh, on the way, a, de- a Death Eater does see them and s- point at them and say, "Hey, there's someone <laughs> invisible there." <laughs> Which is so good and really, really um, makes me. Qu- I, I mean, I guess we did get the lore in this book that like invisibility cloaks do exist like commercially but it's very funny that like a dementor or dementor a a death eater would like see you know like a flash of like some shoes or something in this big battle and just immediately go someone's invisible there and another death eater responds invisible how come you can see it um I don't know why Harry, Ron, and Hermione didn't, like, pick up a couple of the commercially available invisibility cloaks while they were in Diagon Alley last time for That's, their heist. Yeah, I would imagine that it would be useful for them all to have them and not just have to cram under one. I mean, here's the thing. Which is better? All cramming under one perfect invisibility cloak, but having your feet be visible, or <laughs> having one perfect invisibility cloak and, like, two sort of shittier ones. If a golden trio had to wear an invisibility cloak, would they wear it like this? <laughs> Or like this. Exactly. <laughs> um, but they, so they, they, they walk past Draco and he's, he's like cowering before some Death Eater who's like menacing him. And he's saying, I'm on, I'm on your side. I'm Draco Malfoy. I'm on your side. And, and then Harry stuns the Death Eater and and Ron yells as they're still invisible as they go past. Uh, that's the second time we've saved your life tonight. I gotta say, at this point, I would <laughs> probably just put... I, I hate to say it, you know, pro- shout-outs to Draco Malfoy, fun character. But I feel like at, at, at that point, if this is a battle situation and you just saw the guy that you let go... Uh, 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 immediately trying to convince the bad guys that he's on their side. I feel like that might, like, sorry, I feel like that might be the time to shoot him. Yeah, just... maybe, or even just, like, let them sort that out. Yeah. You're on your mission. Maybe just keep on walking. Yeah, let him let him hoist himself, you know? Yeah, he's being hoisted. Yeah, he's, he's about to get his just desserts anyway here. Or um, not. Like, I'm really confused as to why this conflict is happening in the first place. Because everyone knows. It's like, I'm Draco Malfoy. I'm on your side. And he clearly has been the whole time. So yeah. I'm not sure what the where the confusion is coming from here. Well, it, it, it's, the confusion is coming from inside the house. Because, I know. <laughs> because Ron says, that's the second time we've saved your life tonight, you two-faced prat or whatever. Draco uh, sounds, has never... Something was cut out of this book. Yeah. What how is he two-faced? He has had the same face <laughs> since like literally page 10. He is he has well, Draco Malfoy <laughs> has one face and it's uh being a sniveling little Nazi kid. He he has never been anything else this whole time. Nothing has changed. He's like, a yes, coward. He, yeah, he always has been. Yeah. The whole time. And yeah. He's always been a bad guy. Is that what Ron meant? Did it, like Ron mean to like? Did he mean to say like like oh, you're a huge pussy, Draco? As he walked by, because that makes sense. But he's not two faced. He is very he is very clear. That- Honestly, like I know that the like calling Bellatrix a bitch is like the the quota that she like made. But like I think it would have been way more satisfying if Ron just said like there you go, you pussy. <laughs> yeah, that would have been way better because it, it that would that would 
makes sense because it, it, it's not there, something had to have been cut i think you're right like, like there's there's nothing draco has done in this book other than kind of stall not really he, he stall. Like kind of thought about helping them and didn't and he was like neutral at best yeah he didn't i mean i guess i guess he like didn't want crab to murder hermione and he like yeah, yeah but again he <laughs> he 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 was still dancing with the one that brought him there you right, know like yeah. it, 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 like like his his protest was like no stop at best he wasn't he didn't like he didn't like step over the line to harry and and ron and hermione's side be like actually i'm not taking this anymore he was just like no stop don't kill her so uh, Voldemort will be mad at you, maybe. Yeah. So he's never he has never been two faced. He has always just been a huge coward who uh uh gets cold feet as soon as the rubber hits the road, but like he still clearly I think at this point believes these things, right? Like he is he just doesn't want to do the dirt. Right, like, I mean, even with Dumbledore, like, yeah, he didn't, like, pull the trigger because he, like, chickened out at the last minute, but I don't think he's like, oh, I'm sad that that happened. Right, he, he, nothing about his ideology has changed. Right. And that's not a bad thing, either. I think that that is, uh, we talked about it a little bit last week, but, like, the, the, the anti-redemption arc is I fun. love a failed redemption arc. I love, I love when a character, like, reaches their hand out and the other character doesn't take it, right? Like, right, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, it, there's a lot of potential here for his character for and for this to make sense for this to be I, this. I think this might actually be one of the last times we see him in this series, um, because I know that the actual redemption arc that the movie gives him in this battle is entirely made up for the movie. Right. Um. Uh. And this. I think this might be, yeah, I, I guess we'll see in the next few chapters, but, like, I don't know how much more of a role he really has to play. And, like, his final send-off is kind of a comedy routine of, like, these three invisible guys just, like, walking past and, like, <laughs> knocking someone out in front of him. And then uh, punching him in the face. And, and then he's, punching like, confused, him. and that's it. Yeah, he's like, what? What? And, and I think that's kind of where they leave it. Um I could be wrong, but I think I think that might be the last one of the last times we really see him do anything. And it's just like, yeah, it, it feels like a payoff to a setup that never happened. Mm -hmm. Like if he had told them after he dra after he like got rescued from the room of requirement, like I'll I'm go on your side now. Yeah, I'll tell me where to go and I'll and I'll help. And I'm, my name is Draco Malfoy. I'm a good guy now. <laughs> And then, and then this chapter, we see him saying, "I'm Draco Malfoy. I'm a bad guy." And I'm a bad like, guy oh, still. Oh, you two, you two faced son of a bitch. Yeah, exactly. That would have, yeah, that would have worked. But like, no, he, he's not two faced. He's he's just always been and always will be this kind of sniveling little asshole. <laughs> um, so that was important. And then I I guess like the last one of of this of this little montage. Is uh, uh, Fenrir Greyback running at incredible high speeds? <laughs> Very fast werewolf running at incredible high speed towards uh, Lavender Brown. Um, so, 
So I did, <laughs> I did look up if it was a full moon at the Battle of Hogwarts, and it is decisively not. Uh, I believe it's a waxing crescent. Mm. Uh, on the night of the Battle of Hogwarts, which confirms that Fenrir Greyback is is doing that thing from the viral video of the of the girl that runs like a horse. <laughs> He's running on all fours. He I, is. It's the least intimidating sounding attack. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. When when you were a little kid, like seven, eight years old, did you ever run up the stairs on all fours because it felt cool? I'm going to be honest. If I had stairs, I think I would do it to this day. Yeah, it it was pretty fucking cool when, when I was a little kid and be like, I got to get upstairs real fast. And then I would just go dump, 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 like on. Yeah. Kind of like, launch oh. yourself on the last one. You feel yeah, like a superhero. Absolutely. Fucking sick as hell. I think I'd break my back if I did it right now, but, <laughs> but, I, but I would certainly try. <laughs> um. But that's the only thing I can picture, because it's like, it's just a dude. It's a dude on all fours. And it's also, really- we're in a high school. <laughs> <laughs> so This is not his first attack on Hogwarts, by the way. <laughs> no, he was here like six weeks ago in like the timeline, right? Like the end of the school year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, And like, I, yeah, I guess it's pretty fucked up that he... It, like he bites Lavender Brown's leg. That part's again, again, real whiplash between the stuff that is very funny, cartoon, and very and supposed to be like, oh, that's so fucked up. Um, yeah, it's like gross. She's gonna need a tetanus shot for sure. Yeah, I, I think it's a real mistake on J.K. Rowling's part to make the werewolves in this series like honest to god, moonlight only werewolves, because. Other than Lupin turning into one in Azkaban. Which was very cool, by the way. Yeah, that was sick. Um, There's, like, Fenrir has never been a werewolf in this book. No. He's just a dude. And, like, that's, I I get that the, like, the, the conceit is, like, he's a werewolf, but even when he's a dude, he's a monster. Because he's, you know, he's let the beast take over. I'm like, okay cool i guess but you can't it's so weird to tell me that he's a werewolf and then never show him werewolfing you know what i mean like yeah like what if he what if he could what if he was so fucking evil at being a werewolf that he could do it at will like i'm not sure i'm not sure what the intent is where it's like he's got like claw hands like i don't know if that means he doesn't like clip his fingernails right or if he's like sort of like a little bit werewolfy all the time yeah is he kind of like going but is he kind of like becoming full wolf all the time that'd be kind of neat maybe i mean but that that's sort of like i mean maybe that's why cause it's like he's scary because he's like a half werewolf guy all the time but if it is the full moon he's just like normal werewolf it's not very remarkable yeah you know yeah, I just it, like it, it. Just it it fails to be scary. I th- I mean it's it's he. I mean he is the he's quintessential a, like J.K. Rowling. Like, isn't it fucked up that this guy kills kids? Yeah, he's just a criminal minds villain. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's all. He he's just like he's just like a, a law and order like like murderer guy. Yeah, yeah. It, he's really not. He's supposed to be the heavy now that Bellatrix is kind of be out, out of the picture. And he's yeah. not. He's just kind of no. a, a, a scraggly dude running on all fours. Yeah, he's just like biting people with his like human mouth, and like <laughs> that's messed up. But I don't know. It doesn't seem like that threatening. It's just like sort of gross and weird. Yeah, 
And I think the, the, the reason this scene sticks out to me more than some of the other battle scenes is I can at least, unlike some of the other ones where it's just like, oh, Rookwood is finally getting his comeuppance, that guy we, <laughs> we all hate. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's here, there's a, an element of like girl solidarity to it that's very strange because this is this is Hermione coming across Lavender who last they crossed paths was book six uh and they were like shitty rivals um and also Trelawney is there and so there's this weird I feel like and like this is not what I'm getting from it to be clear but this feels like one of those scenes where it's like I know what the author wants me to take from this and it's like isn't it cool that Hermione is letting bygones be bygones and is helping lavender Mm. right like there's a real uncomfortable element to me there of just like because like why else is it lavender and trelawney like the two the two other people that she like she hates she hates lavender brown she hates professor trelawney but like there's this sort of like oh but when you know when when the shit hits the fan they're all helping each other thing and like again that's another character trope that can be really fun but it's kind of out of left field here. Yeah, I I think I because I did not read that at all until you mentioned it, and mm-hmm. I don't even mean that I don't think that it's intended. But this like chapter is just like battering me with <laughs> random events happening yeah. that I didn't take it as anything other than just like random character is doing random thing to other random character in battle scene. But I do think you're right. I, this I mean, is I, like the girl, this is the girl power scene. Yeah. It, it's, 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 uh, it's like, Oh, look at Hermione being the bigger woman in this scene. Right. Like, and then Trelawney in turn, like helping the student that she doesn't like, right? Like there's, it's the, it's the one of these that's loaded, which mm-hmm. is what makes it weird to me. Cause like if, if every one of these scenes was like students and teachers and ca- like characters that we know have had some tensions together, putting them aside for the greater good, I think that might work. I think that actually mm-hmm. might be like the one way you could structure this battle chapter, and make it kind of fun. Yeah. As if it was like, if it was a little, a little less saving Private Ryan, a little more Beauty and the Beast. And it was like, look at all these like students who like have, you know, grouched at each other before, but now they're, uh, you know, working together. That would be kind of cute. But because Even then, I would rather have Trelawney and McGonagall fighting, like, yeah. especially because Trelawney's like exploding crystal balls and, and like McGonagall hates like divination or whatever. Yeah, I yeah. think that would be really funny. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But but yeah, like it's it's just it, this is the one, and like it could honestly be that it is a total accident that she just picked three characters that had this like, uh, uh, you know, reputation between each other. Um, but it, it just it's the one it's the one of these scenes where I'm like, hang on a second, like there's a there's an undercurrent to these characters' attitudes towards each other that makes this very weird. It's also sort of weird that like Ron doesn't seem to care or associate himself with Lavender at all. Like, I, I know that their, like, connection is not, like, I mean, they're, you know, high school exes, mm-hmm. but he is, like, still high school age, and he doesn't seem to react at all. Yeah. I'm not saying that he needs to be, like, chivalrous or anything here, but, <laughs> I mean, she is their, like, classmate. I don't know. It's just super weird. She's just, That's, like... That is the thing that I think makes this weird, is that, like, the, the... By giving 
by making this scene happen between a bunch of characters who previously have like only bickered with each other, right? Mm-hmm. It 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 makes it impossible for me to read it any other way than like, oh, this is like a behavioral aberration for these characters. Yeah. Um. Whereas, like, I you know, yeah, if it was if it was like any other characters and they were just like stepping up to like help each other, it it would it would just pass by without a a mention but like but, but but having it be these characters and having it specifically be Hermione that responds or it's like this this feels like oh this is supposed to be a Hermione moment because you're because you're right it makes way more sense for it to be Ron right mm-hmm. like if if especially if like if Ron has grown as he is uh, uh told to the camera very uh, uh in detail last chapter uh he should like probably not care who it is he's helping right like as long as they're on his side uh um, yeah and for hermione to be the one who freaks out and goes like i i have to save lavender brown and then trelawney to be like i'm going to save hermione is just like ah! yeah and just like the fact that Fenrir is like this really clumsy like sexual predator <laughs> yes. in the style of yep. villain but mm-hmm. also combination like gay spreading AIDS on purpose, guys. Mm-hmm. Just it's so it's so mm-hmm. bad. Why? Why? Yep. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Um. It's also kind of funny. Like in this big epic moment for Hermione, I'm pretty sure that we never find out if Lavender died or not. <laughs> that's the funniest part. That like that's another thing that just makes this feel like such a weird prop. Right. So she's just like an object in this scene. Yeah. Yeah, like she she doesn't say anything. She's just like lying on the ground bleeding. Um and Fenrir moves very fast high speed to bite her leg and then Hermione <laughs> and Trelawney knock him out. Um and then we just move on. Yeah, we got places to be. We got to kill this snake. <laughs> we've got to kill the snake. Uh, so now we've gotten there, let's rewind. We're rewinding all the way back through the battle. Yeah. We're back to the thick of it. Because now we oh, got also before we rewind, I just want to point out that it is very funny that Harry in two moments in this chapter during the battle thinks sort of like forlornly to himself, and who else that I don't even know about will die? <laughs> and just like just like pre- just prepping us for the list that happens. Yeah. Later. Yeah. The <laughs> I don't know which chap like this is a real Russian roulette situation. Because yeah. I've been waiting for that chap. That's the part of the Battle of Hogwarts that I really remember. Mm-hmm. Is the, like, war memorial that he walks in on, basically. <laughs> I don't know which chapter that's going to be. I can't wait. It's going to be yeah. a shock. Because uh, the other thing, you mentioned this to me. We still haven't gotten Not My Daughter, You Bitch. I know. That means there's more. There's, that means there's more. Yeah. There's more battle to come. There's more. Um, there's been a lot there's been so a far. lot of battle uh, and we're gonna rewind through it all to start talking about the actual plot quote unquote that this chapter has yeah which is Hermione in the midst of battle yelling at Harry you know perhaps as the flashbang is still wearing off a little bit uh, yeah and that maybe maybe the, the the screen is still a little blurry maybe there's like a nice depth of field on her and you can sort of see explosions in the background, but it's not oh, yeah. fully in focus. Mm-hmm. And she says, Harry, use use your use your special vision. It's good now. It's, <laughs> it's good 
now. I like it now. Use it. <laughs> I like Quick. it. It's important to the story now. Use it. Um, and he, and this is in a in a chapter full of like inexcusable bad writing. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of the most awful lines in the entire series. Do you wanna? Do you wanna read? what harry's uh 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 like inner monologue is has as he enters cutscene vision harry look inside him why was it so easy because the scar had been burning for hours yearning to show him voldemort's thoughts he closed his eyes on her command and at once the screams and the bangs and all the discordant sounds of the battle were drowned until they became distant as though he stood far far away from them ellipsis why is this so easy Why now? is it so easy? Why can I suddenly do that? Why does it suddenly work like this? <sighs> really, that's so lucky. We really lucked out with this one. <laughs> that it suddenly works like this. Oh my god. You Why was it so easy? do this. You can't have a... Look, plot conveniences happen. Nothing wrong with that. You got The, the story's gotta move somehow. You can't just have a character be like, damn, that was, damn, that was sure convenient. That sure works differently now. That's really convenient for me. (laughs) You can't do that. I, I, imagine you are J.K. Rowling's editor. You're probably, (laughs) I don't know. Three cocktails deep at this point. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, and and you're 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 up late. The book's gotta get done, and you you know that you can't do anything. Your your job description is being powerless. Yeah. Because you're writing, you're you're editing J.K. Rowling, the seventh Harry Potter book, the final book in the series, the biggest media phenomenon in decades. You can't do anything. What are you going to do? Tell J.K. Rowling to, like, change something? And you get to the sentence, why was it so easy? (sighs) And you absolutely are just belting the rest of that bottle. Yeah. Your name's, like, I mean, it's it's lucky that, that, like, you know, editors aren't really uh, front and center in, like, the credits Mm. of books or whatnot, because, like... Your name's on this. Like, I just can't, I can't believe being happy with that. Like, just being an editor and and getting this and just being like, well, guess it's time to edit Harry Potter and just, just read that sentence. Yeah. Just pretty bad. bad. Just really, really poor stuff from JK Rowling here. This book makes me sad. It's a bummer, right? Like, setting... All the other shit about her aside, if 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 J.K. Rowling was like still a good person, you know, was like a nice person who, who we liked in 2020, 2021, mm-hmm. excuse me, Jesus, um, this would still be awful. Like this, there's there's no no version of J.K. Rowling that makes uh the character going, damn, that was easy. Wonder why that was anyway. Uh, excusable. It's just, it's just so plainly on its face, first draft, like sub first draft level writing. I guess it's a clue that Harry's a Horcrux. Yeah, 
that's it the just doesn't, only it just hasn't worked. It just hasn't worked. It doesn't work like that. I I think the thing that makes me sad is that there's just stuff that I still have fondness for. Yeah. In the earlier books, like really, even Order of the Phoenix that I, yeah. you know, I know we ripped that one apart, but I like, I do have a lot of fondness for like the occlumency scenes mm-hmm. and, and all of that and, and Harry being led into a trap and Sirius dying and stuff. And it I just, like angsty it, Harry. It, yeah, it just makes me sad that everything moves away from having meaning. Because <laughs> I'm even okay with things changing. Like, yeah. the thing that I want to, like, like think about is, like, TV, right? Yeah. Like, TV shows iterate on themselves constantly. Mm-hmm. And there's just contradictions that are going to happen. But it's some like in the best TV shows, it feels like you move toward meaning, right? Mm-hmm. And so it like feels like sometimes when things aren't consistent or like you go back and you watch the first couple seasons and go like, wow, they really iterated and changed on like the lore or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like fine because it's like, oh, well, but I really like what they did with it. I really like that it moved toward meaning. This is the Star um, Trek thing, right? Of like, yes, early. I mean, it's it's the, it's the joke about every Star Trek is that the first two seasons of each one are bad, right? And like, that's true, but they're still kind of essential to watch because like the ideas and like concepts and 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 even like think things down to like objects become mm-hmm. important as the series goes on as as the writers kind of rein everything in and figure out what to do with it all yeah and this is like the opposite of that where it's just like fuck it i have this like fucking view a cutscene tool so i'm mm-hmm. just gonna use it and it's gonna be really easy <laughs> so it's fine i mean to bring up george R. R. martin again mm-hmm. there's the thing he he always says about how he is very much a um not a planner when he writes yeah and i mean that has gotten increasingly funny as time has gone on but like like if we if we think about those books as they exist and how he has said um you know he doesn't everyone always asks him like how do you come up with these crazy twists and he's like well i just look at what i wrote yeah Uh, and and like uh, it's 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 never a case with him to like uh plan it all out and 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 build the plot to make those twists work it's just that he has a good eye for looking at previous details and picking out things you know re- recurring patterns recurring uh, uh ideas that he didn't really think about at the time and and to like iterate on them that way and like that's like i i think some people dislike that because it makes it it kind of breaks the illusion when you like reread the first thing and go like well like if he didn't know that this was going to matter later, why should I care now? But to me, that really works because I think I think that is just um, uh, I, I I I think that that spell works on me, right? The like, oh, this mm-hmm. was all this was all planned. Um, it doesn't matter if it really was, but it just matters that like the story ends up in a place where it all it all slots together. Uh. J.K. Rowling, I think, has so many good opportunities to do exactly that. Uh, yes, maybe more than any other author. The amount uh, here's—I mean, I think the one good example of her doing that is with the diary. 
Yes. And, and yeah. it, it like sort of doesn't work because all of the other Horcruxes feel so lame in comparison right. to being able to go back and be like, hey, guess what? That diary thing that wasn't really explained, that was part of Voldemort's. So like, I think that's cool. Yeah. Um, and that's a change it, that is excusable because it's like, okay, it doesn't really work, but I could happily overlook that to make it work. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I will buy into that, uh, uh, as a, as a new, as a new idea. Yeah. But the problem with that one is all the other Horcruxes suck ass and don't mean anything (laughs) and I don't care about them. Oh, did you see, I can't remember. There was someone on our Patreon had an incredible comment. Mm. Um, uh, let me see if I can find this really quick. It was a very insightful comment on the uh the like you know horcruxes should mean stuff to the characters thing oh sure yeah um because we had talked about like oh the cup they should be they should be drinking they should from be the cup. drinking out of cups yeah um <laughs> uh let me see here uh Okay, I'm sorry. I can't find it. Whatever. I'll cut all that out. I, I just say if you if you were the person who commented this, let me know. I will I will I will, I will tweet out a credit. But someone was like uh Hermione should have obviously been influenced by the diadem that makes you smarter. Yes. <laughs> like, God, yes. Right? Duh. Yeah, yes. Like fucking no duh. Like like how is that not the the like struggle she has to face in this book? Right. All of them should have been tempted by the Horcruxes somehow. Like, it's, it's, well, it's so weird because it's like there's no room for that shit. Yeah. And it's like, how? This book is so long. What has happened in it? <laughs> well, part how of How have it... we done two heists in this book? <laughs> how did, the, how did she, she get to the end of this book and get here? And this moment where like all these characters are coming together to like help Harry and help each other and we haven't seen any of them because the whole like premise of the first half of this book was that Harry can't talk to anyone. I think that might be the biggest mistake of this book. Yeah. Like I think there are a lot I think there are a lot of stuff. I'm well maybe I'm torn. I'm torn between not having it take place at Hogwarts as being like a nail in the coffin. These are the two nails in the coffin, <laughs> as, the, as the popular saying goes. And the yeah. other one is not letting Harry talk to any of the cast of beloved characters that people know and love. Yeah. Like this lawn, this like laundry list of character deaths at the end that we're bracing for. Still stupid, but might mean something if they were characters that we had like interacted with in this book at all with. But instead, Harry had to spend the entire first two thirds of this novel on a road trip getting angsty and annoyed and and cranky at his friends even though like there was no horcrux like influencing it was just the one horcrux making them boromir and they all shared it instead of them having like horcruxes tailored to their specific wants and needs and he couldn't talk to anyone we don't know what we got neville explaining in the minecraft tunnel uh uh here's here's all the cool shit that's been happening at hogwarts all of us fun minor characters have been getting up to what were you up to and harry was like ah it's a long story (laughs) i've got i i uh i've been walking around a lot getting my steps in or all around the country i i can't just say this like definitively like that this is just a rule that 
books need to follow. And I understand that we're in the last book of a seven book series, but I sort of also feel like a book has to stand on its own mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Like I like I know I know like anyone who's reading this has read the other ones, right? It's not like we're not going to know who Neville is, right? But none of the characters, the other characters, have been in this book. Period. Well, they have. Er- yeah. Anything at all has to be inherited from the previous books, and even in the case of like our our laundry list of characters that are going to be dead, and one of them like being Lupin, right? Like, yeah, I guess I have fondness for, of about Lupin from fucking three books ago. Yeah, like his story was over. <laughs> yeah, the new story they've given Lupin is that he kind of sucks <laughs> because, yeah. like, that's the 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 one thing that she could kind of cram in here and like that's not very compelling neville is cool i really like neville but we just kind of got from him secondhand that like oh i've been having a bunch of character development while you've been yeah away. i'm good now and my grandma likes me. <laughs> my grandma likes me so I'm cool. so i guess it was my problem the whole time yeah and then like per- i mean like percy is obviously like the, just the biggest example of this right of just like he comes through the portrait and he just says I am a different character now. It's crazy. I I had so many thoughts and experiences, but that's too too many to get into right now. I I'm I'm good now, and everyone's like, "Cool, we're we like you again," and that's just like unacceptable. I I, I mean, like if 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 Percy was gonna show up, there's no excuse to not have this happen at the wedding at least, right? Like, put it in this book somewhere, please. Or have him help Harry at the ministry. But no, yeah. Harry can't talk to anyone. Right, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, Harry's not allowed to talk to anyone in this whole in this whole fucking book. I, th- your point about it it a book needing to stand on its own, I think is really important to to consider here because we're reading this book week to week, this this whole yeah. series, right? So uh-huh. we remember who Rookwood is. Yes. Uh, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um but like when there people were waiting two, three years between books, like you kind of I think you kind of do need that refresher. And and not only is it worthwhile to have a refresher in there so we like can care when these characters die, but like I think it's also a matter of like for as, as small or as subtle as it is, each time a, one of these minor characters appears, they do like that does contribute towards like their overall character development if you were trying to make us care about whether they live or die by the end, right? Mm-hmm. So if you if if J.K. Rowling wants me to give a shit that Lavender Brown got mauled, I don't know. Like maybe this book should have been at fucking Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like, maybe Lavender Brown could have been in the corridors and, like, kind of giving Hermione the stink eye all the time. Uh, and Ron acts really awkward around her. And maybe Harry is, like, polite to her, but, like, from a distance and is kind of just like, well, it is what it is or something. Or uh, fucking, I don't know, anything to make it seem like these characters not only have grown, but, like, think about the other characters. Right? right, and that's the part that I think is is truly missing here is that like the only character that Harry goes like, "Damn, I wonder if she's okay is Ginny, yeah, and that's because he's in love with her, right, but he's he's not sitting there thinking like, "I hope Neville's okay, I hope my friend Dean is okay, you know, like he's not really thinking about that stuff, so the the 
if you simply must tell a story about Harry becoming a hermit and uh, uh, traveling around the world on his own, at least, like, keep those characters who are going to show up and matter later in his thoughts, I guess. Yeah. But they just appear in no in no form until that bizarre Neville sequence where he just gets Harry up to speed, Mission Impossible style. I mean, I guess another character to point out is like Luna, just because yeah. she's actually a weirdly huge character in this book. Yeah. In like as far as like the side characters are concerned, because like Lupin shows up a couple times and is like, Hark, take me on the mission, right? <laughs> Shall and then three Harry, become four? Exactly. And Harry's like, no, go away. And then he's like, next time we see him, he's like, Hark, a baby has been born. And it's like, okay, whatever. Um, but like Luna is like keeps popping up and she's like they they run into her because she's like imprisoned in the manor they have to go to xenophilius's house where she's like been kidnapped and is being tortured um and like comes and like shows up here at like the climax of the high school story which is where the da comes out and is like okay harry you have to cast the spell that you taught us or whatever (laughs) and and so if any character had room to have any dimension at all, it's her, and she is played off like a joke cartoon the entire time. Her her role in this story, and like seemingly, again, I think this is meant to be her big final moment, kind of like Draco, um, but like her her job is to say, smile, sweetie, to Harry. Yeah, he's like, oh, okay. Which she is, doesn't have any like raw shit to say. Like that was kind of her thing in book, th- yeah, book five and whatever six, she's yeah. in. Yeah, where she would like, she, yeah, she's a little weird. But like in your moment of in Harry's moment of need, she shows up to say some raw shit, and he's like, "Oh, you're you you've got more going on, don't you?" But yeah. here she's just like back to like a cartoon joke character. It makes me so upset too because like the things that Luna have like I, I'm certainly not saying Luna should be miserable. Right. Like, I don't I don't want like punished Luna showing up. But (laughs) but like, if you look at the things that Luna has been through in this book, it's like she was tortured so bad she was bedridden for like weeks at Shell Cottage. Right. Uh, And and like she's seen some shit now. And not only that, but like Luna is the person who in book five, who was kind of a joke the whole time then like stood up to Harry when he was like trying to ramble off to the ministry and was like, like was not, this is not the entire point of what you were teaching us. Like I want to go and fight. And she did. And she like kind of whooped ass there and like, like survived that. And uh, like, she is, she is like one of the characters who maybe most puts her money where her mouth is mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like her, her like commitment to like fighting bad stuff uh and so i i kind of wish that like in this moment here she could have gotten an opportunity to i don't know again say some real shit um uh but instead she just has to appear to remind us that she exists because uh who who will live who will die that's all that matters in this we just don't know who's gonna live or who's gonna die and i bet some people are gonna die later off screen I, who could it be? Who could it be? I I, I wonder how many. I mean, like it, it, these these all these characters are just popping up on Harry's uh, journey to the Shrieking Shack here, 
um, to to kind of remind you they exist so you can be nervous about whether they're going to survive or not, basically. Oh, yeah. That's, like, the main function that these appearances serve. <laughs> also, Dean shows up in the same scene, and Harry's like, guess he found a wand. <laughs> Dean <laughs> is also a weirdly huge character in this book. Yeah, Dean should be a way bigger character. I mean, he's not a character, but he is, like, pop keeps popping up over and he's over He's around again. a lot. And, like, again, yeah. similar to Luna, he's someone who keeps popping up in these sequences where like he is putting his life on the line for harry Mm -hmm. he's a he's like yeah dean should be a way bigger character in this series um alas he appears here so we can be nervous about whether or not he makes it so voldemort in this (laughs) in this chapter yeah so we get the first we get the cutscene version of him Mm -hmm. with lucius uh, where he says, oh, Lucius, this is all, this is all according to my cool plan. Uh, uh, um, the, the boy, the boy is going to show up and he says the same to, to, to Snape. Um, what, what's your, what's your, your, your read on Voldemort in this chapter? Do you like his, him returning in this? Yeah, this, this is, this is the best, this is like the best yeah. part of the chapter. Voldemort is so funny here. I, I like evil sorcerer Voldemort. He's like so goofy. Um, not, no concern in the world, isn't even in the fight. He's just, like, chilling. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's fun. He's so funny. He's, he's, uh, like, if there's one thing I have to pull out of this book and just say, like, this is good, it is the new characterization of Voldemort as just this, um, I guess it's not really new, but I guess it's kind of a reframing, because he was, he, he became such a serial killer villain in six and five (laughs) yeah um but he's back he's back to just being like skeletor basically um yeah and like that's that's so much it's fun fun. um unfortunately there's a big asterisk on this for me yeah because as great as he is to read in this scene with lucius and in the later scene with snape it does let slip one of the biggest (laughs) <laughs> and I hate to use this term, but like biggest plot holes in the series mm-hmm. here, which is, and we talked, and, and like th- it is so funny because it, it, I, I wondered if we were being too mean about this last week, yeah. But in fact, it turns out that we were being too charitable about this. <laughs> so this bit it, last week where Harry was like, "Only me and Voldemort know about the Room of Requirement." Um, and then he says, Draco was also in the room of requirement. I was like, this is, <laughs> this is stupid because this is Harry being unnecessarily stupid. Yeah. Um, because of course, like, of course he, he remembers Draco using the room of requirement right after he says only me and Voldemort know about it. Um, but this chapter seems to confirm that like, from an authorial standpoint, Harry was correct there. Which is well. So nuts. the thing that Harry thinks he's like Voldemort must have thought he was the only one that knew about yeah the room of requirement specifically the hidden things room yeah. And I was like, maybe Harry's just wrong about what Voldemort thinks, right? You know, yeah. My like, my, my 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 stance on that was like, this is just a 
egregious example of a character needing to be wrong for the story, right? Yeah. Um, to happen because because Voldemort, uh, uh, clearly knows, and Harry remembers that like Draco used the room, the hidden things room, to stage his murder plan six weeks ago. So <laughs> it's just it's just a, I thought it was just a matter of like like character forgetting something within the span of a second right like yeah like, for everyone the sake of the is story. all everyone is all up in that room of requirement yeah everyone yeah. umbridge is up in that room yes yeah the, dumbledore is up in that room yes and harry's and, up in that room <laughs> and not only that but it is a room full of crap um, yeah it's full of crap that everyone has left behind for centuries yeah and i think and it's got a lot of crap in there if you go back and read the the like description in book six is very clear that harry is is keenly aware of what it's for because when he wants to hide the book there it's like oh he's going past like dung bombs and weapons and like stuff that like obviously students have hidden there right like he well yeah and it's also like it is in the typical harry as objective authorial voice saying that this is a very whimsical room where all the students over the course of the centuries at Hogwarts have gone in and hidden all of their like crap. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. That's the point of the room. It's very cute. It's a very cute, whimsical idea, yeah. right? Yeah. Um And but now Voldemort thinks to himself, Ah, I hid it in the room that only I was clever enough to know about. <laughs> And it's yeah. like, well, come on, <laughs> come on. Like, that's that's really all I can say is just come on, Joe. Like, what? What? Like, you can't. <sighs> These things happen within a chapter of each other. There's not even feasible space in here for, like, the characters to be, like, wrong about stuff. It's like, no, this is this is the book doubling down on making you think that yeah, only Harry and Voldemort know about the hidden shit room. But like, okay, what are the logistics of that? Because if it was true that, that Voldemort thinks he's the only one who knows about it, that would mean that that entire murder plot happened without anyone telling him what was going on. Despite the fact that like, we know that it was a, thing that Voldemort personally assigned to Draco to um, punish Lucius, uh, we know that Draco was getting insanely nervous and, like, jumpy because he was being watched by, like, the other Death Eaters, right? Mm -hmm. Were they not reporting to Dumbledore on what he was... Because, like, the whole thing was that, like, he felt like he had to do this. Like, he can't not do this he can't like say to voldemort like sure man i'll kill dumbledore and then like not do it all year so like he was being observed and like he was co collaborating with um Bo the the uh, death eaters in borgen and burks to like test the cabinets and like put like the bird they did the bird test right that was a movie special but yeah but, oh it was an apple it was the apple test in the in the book right of like they put an apple in and and then I don't know. Either way, this was this was being worked on for an entire school year. Draco was under surveillance. Um and the plot was to uh kill Voldemort's biggest rival. His in fact maybe his one rival 
And you're telling me that like he like he never got wind of what Draco was doing. Like what what was Voldemort's check in plan here? Like, are you still doing it? Yep. Okay. Good. Don't need any details. I mean, I've got a generous answer to that. Okay. I don't think I think it's stupid in a different way. Mm-hmm. Because I think that what we are supposed to think happened at Death Eater headquarters is that Voldemort obviously is trying to punish Lucius by sending Draco on a suicide mission and says, hey, Draco, you have until the end of the year to kill Dumbledore. Good luck. (laughs) And that's it. I I think that that was what happened. Um, And he didn't expect it to succeed. He didn't expect there to be a real plot. Mm -hmm. And I think that his expectations were subverted. Draco was smarter than he thought. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't actually being surveilled. He just was nervous because of the ticking clock, basically. Mm -hmm. Snape was trying to surveil him. And we saw a few of those scenes where Draco is like, he's sort of interrogating him and Draco's like, no, no, I have to do this on my own. I think Draco was getting help from Crab and Goyle. Here's where it falls apart. He did have Greyback Bellatrix and right. the Caros come through the cabinets at the end of the year. Yeah. So to have Voldemort not be like, oh, I know what happens, assumes that after Dumbledore was killed, that Voldemort never took Snape aside and said, hey, what happened exactly? Right, yeah. So Voldemort gets news that his biggest riot, like, this actually happened. Yeah, he's like, oh, cool, that rules, right? Because it's like a no-lose for Voldemort. Yeah. And he doesn't say, at, at no point, this guy who loves lording it over people, did, did he say, like, tell me everything. Tell, tell me all the details. So I can find some fucked up way to still badger you for it right like he did he never like asked bella bellatrix and and voldemort that that never came up yeah they're fucking yeah that's pillow talk right yeah exactly that never came up like posts in in the what was the poem thing the the dizziness of release yeah right i mean i mean that's the other thing too is like they like draco (laughs) managed to smuggle death eaters into hogwarts which seems like a pretty like noteworthy yeah thing so even with that, even that aside, <laughs> say that he just didn't give a shit and Snape was like, okay, I've got my report. And he's like, no, Snape, I'm not interested. I'm just, I'm so, let me celebrate. I don't care. I don't care about <laughs> the chilling. details. Even if that were the case. And even my most generous, like, mm-hmm. well, when he hid the tiara, maybe he thought he was the only one that knew at the time because he was younger and obviously the plot hadn't happened. The room is still filled with other people's crap. Yeah, there's no getting around that. That is the, that is the, like, just, just de- dead to rights, smoking gun. There is no way that this works. No matter, no matter what Voldemort knew about the plot, whether he knew anything, whether he was, whether he was aloof, there is no getting around the fact that it is a room full of other people's shit. Like over centuries, yeah. And also, there, like the also gotta say the mechanics of the room are extremely simple. Yeah, you, you you students students like to have stuff to hide. That's not that's not rare, as is evidenced by the fucking cathedral sized room full of people's crap. Okay, and even setting that aside, <laughs> like he still is just like not. Oh, I'm the only one who knows how it works, or 
everyone else is, is like too dumb. He specifically says, I am the only one who has found the room like, yeah. in his monologue to himself. Right. That's the thing. Cause we, we looked online to like, you know, see whether there was any explanation for this, like any fandom fix or whatever. And like the, the company line really seems to be, he didn't say he's the only one who found it. He says he's the only one who understands it, which is not true. He says, quote, I am the only one who found the room. <laughs> it seems obvious that he did not. And then and then the other one is like, oh, that's just because he's a narcissist, right? Yeah. He's like, but that is like, the, that's rough. That's rough. I think. If, he, if, it was, if it was really trying to hammer in that he's a narcissist on purpose as like his foible in this, in this, uh, scene he would say something like the room full of treasures just for me right <laughs> like yeah. if he thought all of that crap was like stuff that people were that like the room was giving him because he deserved it or whatever that's something i guess it would still be silly but like it would it, it, like but there's nothing about his mindset here that suggests that like he it, this is just because of his arrogance I do think the intent is to say that he's arrogant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just that it, it is this. This goes beyond him being arrogant. It's just him being stupid. Yeah. Which I don't think that he's supposed to be. No, no. I mean, I get it. It's supposed to be like his Achilles heel. Right. But I, I just think that you could come up with a lot of arrogant reasons for him to hide it in that place that work better than him thinking that he's the only one who knows about the room. Yeah. When he demonstrably isn't. Right. It's a On real sh- several occasions. Yeah, it's a real shame because I, I he is so much fun in these scenes. Yeah, he is. Um, what do you think of Nagini's bubble shield? I love it. <laughs> it's very. I want to know why. It's very funny. It's um. I do remember that this is not in the movie. Sadly, why they did not give her a bubble shield? Why she uh she ha- instead has like Star Wars ship shields. Wait, really? Yeah, in the movie, um, they like when they fight the snake, uh, they like try and shoot her with with spell lasers, and they just like bounce off like Star Wars style. That's so sad. It's very I, lo- funny. I love the visual here. To be honest, it's, it's cool. Like, it's like this orb or bubble, I guess, and she's like floating in it, but she's like writhing around. Yeah, it's like very cool. It's 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 very. Like it's funny in a in a way. Like it's very, like especially in the moment where she does attack Snape, and it's like the bubble like warps <laughs> yeah. over to him and like sucks him. Like it's very silly sounding. But I think mm-hmm. that that fits Voldemort here. Yeah, like Voldemort is being Skeletor here. His his method of dispatching his like biggest ally being I've put a big snake in an orb to like slowly yeah. float. Like that fit. That's that's some stupid Skeletor ass shit that I am <laughs> that I am all for. I think, and it's also it's just weird, right? Like it's weird in a fun magical way. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's 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 too bad that that had to get whittled whittled away to just just uh, ship shields. But uh, uh, it's a it's a weird in a cool magical way, but also is still like violent and scary yeah. in a way that like the Beauty and the Beast fight scene isn't in the castle. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this this conversation between uh, Snape and Voldemort, 
the, yeah. the Harry, this the Harry gets to watch another cutscene here. Yes. Um I on paper love this scene. Mm-hmm. I think it's not executed the best, but I do love that it is two guys preparing to betray each other and not knowing the other one is preparing to betray them. Mm-hmm. Because Snape is so obviously like his plan undoubtedly was like okay i'm gonna find harry during the battle and that's when we're gonna like hash shit out right because because we're this is the moment for me to or maybe whisk him away or i don't i don't know what his plan is right but but like clearly like he's clearly not going to bring harry to voldemort here no um uh but that's what he keeps saying and he's oblivious. The problem is that, like, he's only oblivious to what uh, uh, Voldemort's plan clearly is, because no one knows what wand lore is because it was made up for this novel. I'm v- I'm very frustrated that that's where the misunderstanding between these two characters is. Is yeah. it purely hinges on how obscure this piece of lore is, happens to be? Yeah. That I'm still like sort of not clear on how obscure it is and it's been only been made more obscure by like newer additions to the harry potter canon Mm -hmm. because as you discovered last night uh hogwarts mystery says that wand lore is a class that you take yeah it's like sixth year history of magic and you learn about wand lore yeah it's like you get you get to be 16 and they get all the 16 year olds into history class and they say hey by the way if you kick someone's ass their wand is yours (laughs) the so it's a real shame because one i think that that misunderstanding is just like it's it's a very boring and clumsy thing for 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 snape's like uh uh death to hinge on yeah. Um and it also is a change in the story that I think like many things in in this series JK Rowling did not really think about the implications of enough. No. It's funny that we talk about like how, you know, a storytelling uh you know like like laying the tracks for stories and and like iterating as you go and how this is almost an example of that, but kind of a sloppy one because I, I am not saying that like all the way back in book two, she should have known exactly how all the wand lore stuff should have worked, Mm -hmm. but there needs to be an answer somewhere between that. Um, where dueling was introduced in book two. Yeah. And book seven and it, and it being a critical plot point in a major character death. Mm-hmm. You still had five or six books worth of, of space to, like, seed something in there about how dueling works. Um, because Can you build on it a little bit? Yeah, because the, the, the two appearances of dueling are, one, it's a, stu- a school-sanctioned class that you take. Yeah. And then in book seven, it's an ancient rite where uh, the ante is your wand. Yeah. Which is cool. I am not against that on on its face. I think that is an interesting I, I like the idea that like dueling, even if it's not to the death, has some stakes, right? Like like that's an interesting it's like, oh, it's a sport, but it has like some ancient magic ritual uh stuff yeah, behind and if it. You, and if you lose your wand, you gotta go down to the strip mall and buy a new one for ten sickles. <laughs> Right, nothing, none of this stuff intersects. That's the problem. Is it's like we are 
we are in book seven and we are we are all of a sudden in a story where wands are like this is like a lightsaber like like obi-wan is wiggling a wand in anakin's face and saying this weapon is your life right like this is a sacred tool this wand uh but like in book two, they had a, a dueling club and nobody lost their wands. And then in book one, we know we have the price of what wands cost. And it was like a dollar. Like, it's... Wait, is that like one of those things where you like go? So, so you get into like a little scrap, right? Yeah. And it's like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> My wand doesn't work anymore because it thinks the other guy owns it. So I got to go down to the mall and buy another one. Or maybe maybe the, you know, Ollivander's is a chain. So I'll go on down to Hogsmeade during Hogsmeade weekend to get a new one. And Ollivander also just remembers everyone's wand that he's ever sold. So is that like a shaming tactic? Like you go in and he's like, oh, oh. 11 inches, unicorn. What happened? <laughs> is this like Pokemon? It's like, oh, back at the Pokemon Center, I see. <laughs> what 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 kicked your ass, huh? <laughs> But the problem, but like, also, there's the version of this that's insanely cool, where is it if you seeded just a little more things in there, the idea that like, oh, this game that like teenagers play, that's like the Hogwarts version of like, I don't know, Conkers, right? Of like, or, uh-huh. or like, oh, this is like Beyblades to us. Yeah. Ending up being very important ancient ritual magic by the seventh book is a really cool possible idea right sure but but like not none of that groundwork is laid and instead we just have all of these pieces we have how much wands cost at ollivanders um uh dueling club and then now all of a sudden in this book triple spells uh wands that don't behave <laughs> if you're not if you're not nice to your pikachu it won't obey your orders uh yeah. type stuff and just like it, none of that connects which is too and like the whole point of like reaching back for stuff to turn into new twists and new stories is that you find a way to make those things connect even if you didn't intend it whereas here it's like this is new information and new lore to make a plot point work, but like it doesn't connect anything. No, no dots are being drawn here. It's just like, eh, eh. like the wand, the wands behave new in a new way now because it needs to. I mean, I know we talked about this earlier, but I just like it is seems like it is so impactful to this world like it feels like it would be such a huge deal if it worked this way so snape having no idea what (laughs) Voldemort is hinting at like he should know immediately and in fact he should probably have known after he killed dumbledore isn't there isn't snape could have taken the elder wand (laughs) this is bullshit (laughs) isn't isn't the a big part of um Snape's character is he is an insanely good duelist. Wait, did Dumbledore know this had to have happened too? Why didn't Dumbledore say like you have to kill me and then take my wand and help <laughs> Harry? <laughs> Snape's character is he is an insanely good duelist because he's he is the he is like the good dueling teacher in the second book. Right. I mean, he's also just like knows a bunch of shit, right? He's all, like, yeah, he's a smart guy. So so what this book is asking us to believe is that there's a thing called wand lore that's very important to dueling. 
Yeah. And that Snape, an expert duelist, one of the, the finest soldiers the Death Eaters have. And has been, like, flirting with the dark arts, like, his whole life, yeah. right? Yep. Does Which is, like, all about, like, kicking people's ass and, like, <laughs> all of these, like, it's the dark side, right? It does not know how the anti-rules work in dueling. Voldemort, like, keep, keeps asking him over and over, and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean? What's happening? <laughs> you gotta explain this to me. Like, is he playing <laughs> dumb? Is he Does he know and he's trying to play dumb and he's, like, hoping yeah. that it's not? But it's like, at that point, if you... Time to fight. If Voldemort's telling you, hey, I'm holding the fucking Elder Wand and it's actually technically yours, t- fucking... Can you not Accio that shit? I have the Elder One now. You're right. It's mine. I have the Elder One. Boom. Problem solved. War over. Did Snape maybe not know that Dumbledore had the Elder Wand? I'm uh, feeling like Dumbledore's plan was very stupid. Yeah. Maybe maybe Dumbledore in Purgatory will explain this all to us. Also, Dumbledore killed Snape. I th- I'm putting all the pieces together in my head. Yeah, more or less. Evil, dark, it's Dark Dumbledore. Dark Dumbledore. <laughs> He's the puppet master. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a very silly conceit, um, and I like. I just wish, I wish Snape had got, had something a little cooler to say before he died. You know? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine if he had to die. I just would have liked a better send off for him than him. Like, because it's it's really long. Like Voldemort keeps being like. And I'm just doing my very cool magic, but it's not special. Do you know why that would be? And every time Snape is just like, can I go? Can I please can go? I go now? Please, can I go? <laughs> I'm the teacher. The class ends when I say so. <laughs> the bell doesn't excuse you. I excuse you. <laughs> um. Yeah, Snape is just really um, not on his game here. Yeah. Which is, is like, I, like, obviously he would need to be thrown off his game eventually, but I would like yeah. a little, I, I want to see his Machiavellian maneuvering working for at least a couple paragraphs, right? Yeah, even if it fails, I want it to be cool. Yeah, I want to see him try. Uh, but instead he's just going like, oh, he says like, let me go get Harry. And Voldemort says no. And he's like, oh, come on. Come on, please. No, yeah. He's just going, please, can I go? Please. (laughs) It's just not not very dignified, uh, shall we say. Um, I'm very biased. I I want it to be perfect, and it just kind of sucks ass. Well, speaking of undignified. (laughs) Shut up. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Snape dies. No, shut up. I don't. (laughs) It's too sad. Snape. Snape is dying on the ground. It's really <laughs> sad. He's the coolest character. He just got bitten by this, the orb snake. Harry. Voldemort leaves for some reason. <laughs> Why does Voldemort leave? Really for no reason other than for where's, Harry to be able to do this. Where's he going? Where's he going? <laughs> He's going to walk slowly to Hogwarts, I think. For what? For what? He just spent the whole time saying, Harry will come to me. Don't worry <laughs> about he it. He just needed the bathroom. I don't know. He's like... <laughs> I wonder what oh, I wonder what else is in this shack. Is there like a front door or does he have to go through the tunnel? I think you have to go through the tunnel to get there. I'm pretty sure. That's a very funny image considering that Harry, Ron, and Hermione were like, wow, this is really small for adult-sized people and not 13-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, Snape and Voldemort just like crawling through it. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I, uh, I, I hate, I hate to do this, but Snape is lying on the ground. Harry, Voldemort leaves so Harry can appear and, and be like, surprise, I was, I was, I saw that whole thing. And then Snape, Snape. (laughs) Some, some goo. (laughs) Snape shoots his goo out of his face. And, and he's like, check this out, Harry. There's no polite way. There's no polite way to talk about it. Why? Why does it work like this? Can, can why, why didn't he just do the way it always works, which is like you put your wand in yeah. and pull out some memories? Is is this what happens when you die in the Harry Potter universe? And we've just not been told until it's like you know, like every we've seen other characters die, right? Like every every movie where someone's like, "Did you know that when people die, they shit themselves?" Like, like, is that in, in the wizarding world? Is like, did you know that when people die, they they like shoot their memory goo out of their face? <laughs> I just, yeah. Why? Is it because he's really good at like occlumency and legitimacy? Like, is this <laughs> he his? Can, he can, like, <laughs> he's really good at this. He can no hands memory ejaculate. <laughs> That's amazing. A, I knew he was the most powerful. He's so skilled. Just like, yeah, he's he's good at nonverbal spells, and he can do no, he can do non. Uh, n- not no hands, <laughs> no hands. Memory exchanges. He's, yeah. It's just so. The image of him dying is so funny, and it shouldn't be. It's this like, line is so fucked up. Something more than blood was leaking. <laughs> <laughs> the cover of Metallica's load appeared on his face. Silvery blue, neither gas nor liquid. It gushed from his mouth and his ears and his eyes. Why? <laughs> and Harry knew what it was, but did not know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not dignified. <laughs> it's, it was slime time, apparently. It was. <laughs> That's not cool. Yeah. Is it supposed to be cool? Why? Why could he not just grab Harry by the scruff of the collar or whatever, pull him in close and take out his wand and then do the do it the normal way? Honestly, he could have just like beamed it to him while he was alive, right? Like they could have done the like whoosh. It could have been like oh, in the movies yeah. where you zoom in on eyeballs yeah. and then you go into their mind yeah. and then you could and then he and then Harry could have witnessed it all and then it could have whooshed out of the memory and he would be dead. That's how I would do it. The, the, I know exactly like this is so we there are so many scenes in this that are like a wish list for the movie obviously yeah the entire battle <laughs> this is like an anti-wish list. I am so glad that JK Rowling did not get this on screen and instead instead we get like dramatically lit Snape dying in the astronomy tower or whatever I think that's probably a lot better than what we got here which is him sniveling to Voldemort and then please can I go please can I go and then he and then he just like nuts all over his own face (laughs) and tells Harry to put it in a in a jar and like Hermione's there she's ready she's got a she's got a little she's got the jar yeah (laughs) she's got the little jar and and they they scoop up his his memory (laughs) 
memory jizz and and stuff and it's so so complicated <laughs> unnecessarily so and like <laughs> it's just probably just do the whoosh into the eye eyeball thing in my opinion stop. that's just my suggestion joe please stop telling me about the silvery goo it is There's so much it is on snape's face i'm not i'm not i'm not ready i'm not mentally prepared for this it's just it starts seeping out of him it's like yeah. it's memory snot it's so it's a lot it's so much well, R.I.P. to my favorite character. R.I.P. Snape. I don't know when we're gonna get his uh, his redemption. Next chapter arc. is that is it? Princess Tales coming. We're up gonna next? go right into it, which is why I'm saying that it should have done the whoosh into the eyeball thing. Oh, okay, so yeah, so there's it no, effectively yeah, is in that, that case, there was no excuse. There's no excuse there's, for this. There's no excuse for. Also, I was scrolling ahead. I'm sorry. I'm like so off the rails. I'm like, this has destroyed me. I was like scrolling ahead to see how long the prince's tale is. And then just saw that the chapter after that is just called the forest again. (laughs) The battle again. Here we go. Oh, this is this is a trial. Yeah. I mean, that's also, that's basically what the wand thing is, too. Like, Mm. Voldemort needs Snape to uninstall his copy of Adobe so he can use the code. That's basically what's happening here. Really, really not a very exciting conflict to to like end with snape dead on the ground over also why did it take voldemort so long to figure that out we still don't know what the elder one does i guess it just means you do spells better i will say like his best line, like the the funniest like cool evil voldemort line is like where snape is like but your spells have been so good and he's like yeah they're always really good (laughs) yes Yes, it's it's my normal extraordinary magic i i love that unironically loved that yeah voldemort is so much fun which was makes this more disappointing right like Mm -hmm. like oh this this could be such a great showdown between i mean honestly the two biggest bitches in the series oh yeah like like snape and voldemort give them just a a, a riff sesh together yeah incredible potential there i want to see their dynamic right because like snape like kind of has has pulled it off you know he did it yeah and that's and i want to see what what their their thing is without snape just spending the whole time being like uh can i go please (laughs) yeah like voldemort's only voldemort isn't betraying him because he figured out that like he was double agent he just is doing it out of necessity because he wants the wand. No, and I think one of the worst lines in this one, that I, again, I'm picking at this one way more because I just like Snape so much, but um, <laughs> the part where, like, Voldemort kills him and he's like, sorry, I guess, or whatever, and then walks away and then Harry's like, he didn't look sorry. And I think that he should have. He should have been like, yeah. even if it's not for, like, emotional reasons, even if it's just like, Purely oh, tactical, he was like. right? Yeah, but I think that, like, he should have been, like, Oh, that's a bummer. Well, I mean, like, maybe if not, like, like you said, like, not emotional, but like, Snape was clearly his, like, most effective dude. Yeah, like, he's every like the other, second in command, right? Yeah, every other Death Eater is a fucking loser, as we established yeah. last week on the, <laughs> on our big rank, ranking list. Yeah. Um, Snape is the only one who, like, manages to do anything ever, and he was like, like his his link to Dumbledore, 
uh, and and the school this whole year, and so and to Harry Potter. So mm-hmm. it's it's it feels like it, it like I I I don't think he would be sad, right? But I think like purely from a like oh it's a bummer that I have to play my best card right now kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, like, ah, oh, I could have, I could have saved that one. Um, yeah, yeah, something, something. There should have been something characterful here in here. <laughs> Although I could say that for like the entire book. Harry so. Potter. There should have been something characterful in here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, like, like I said, I, I, I really wish that this would have just been like a, a riff off between Snape and Voldemort. I want to see what they're like, what they're, you know, what are they like when, when no one else is watching? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, instead, we're going to get the prince's tail. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. We are. We sure. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know what to think of any of that. So we'll see. Yeah. Yes. It's stupid. I'm sure. It's uh. It's gonna be exciting. Is there anything else in this chapter? Um. You want to? Oh, probably. Want to cover? But, any? Do you want? you want to talk about the goop some more? No, I th- I feel <laughs> bad enough that we talked about the goop for so long. <laughs> um. Yeah, there's the thing is this is a chapter that is so full of tiny little stupid details that don't matter. It's it's hard to pick out the ones that do matter. Okay, I'll pick one more because yeah. I know that it could be forever. Um, but like I really enjoy, you know how all the people that like in the fandom that are like I'm Slytherin and J.K. Rowling is so rude to Slytherins oh, and yeah. all of that. The part where. Um, Voldemort specifically points out that all of the Slytherin children came to him <laughs> and joined him. It's so fucking funny. McGonagall was right. She should have blasted those kids. <laughs> that is insanely funny. Just a final fuck you to Slytherins, huh? I want to also, I want to know the logistics of that. Did, did the, did all the Slytherins and everyone else evacuate to Hogsmeade? And then all the Slytherin kids are like, well, see ya. And like walked over to the Shrieking Shack. Where are those kids right now? <laughs> where are they? They're fighting. Are you- <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's where, maybe that's where Voldemort was going. Is like, he, he killed Snape and then he like was going to go downstairs to address the like army of children that was waiting for him. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> They're all like, I wonder what our boss is doing. Yeah. And he's just going to be like Gru talking to the minions like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was that was very funny. I can I can see why people who invest in the personality test aspect of this get mad about the Slytherin stuff. Every yeah. every single Slytherin child was inherently evil. It's it is very funny to me that that Snape is just, like next chapter going to get this like breathless redemption arc. <laughs> right. And and but like the chapter before it was like yes all of these Slytherin children were evil. <laughs> J.K. Rowling is like taking the like uh you know the the inherent evil the sins of man thing more seriously than any other author and in fact what happens is when you're a child you are born insanely evil uh mm-hmm. and then you actually just uh de-evilify as you age so old you know old people deserve uh redemption arcs more than children do <laughs> absolutely they always talk about how like cool the sorting hat is and how it's like amazing that they could like magically look into your mind and right. sort you into these four categories and i think it's like an easy job and i don't know why they need it to sort children into um b- brave smart nice and 
fascist. <laughs> I could I could do that job. Yeah, doesn't seem like it's that difficult. Um, uh, if if a kid is annoying and you don't like them, they're inherently evil. That's right. That's right. Oh yeah. Well. There's probably infinity other battle details we could go over, but uh, we should probably take a quick break and then come back for our third segment. What do you say? Sounds good. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Last week, we we had a little bit of a riff sesh, just like Snape and Voldemort. Yeah. Um, about how memorable lines from the first Fantastic Beasts movie were. Mm-hmm. And we came to the conclusion, obviously, that it's a very memorable movie. Yes. Um, full of quotes and one-liners and stuff that we absolutely remember and think about and say in our daily lives all the time. Well, here's this. Mm. If it wasn't memorable, why do we keep talking about it? That's a damn good point. That's a really, really good point. This is um, an article that will prove exactly how memorable all these quotes are. Yeah. Uh, I have traveled to MuggleNet, that famous website we know and love, um, because they recently posted an article... 16 Fantastic Beast quotes we'll never forget. Okay. Now that 16 never. that's that's a lot of Fantastic never. Beast quotes. Never. never forget. Never forget. Um and I'd like to see how many of these we remember. Um um and so I I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you the quotes and I want you to tell me if you can remember what scene they're in, and oh, then I no. will I will confirm for you oh, crap. whether yeah. or not you're right. Okay, sure. So, so we are we are limiting ourselves to the first movie here. That's even longer ago. Yeah. Um so I'm gonna go through the quotes here mm-hmm. and we're gonna see just how memorable they are. How, how <laughs> okay. how's that sound? Sure. All right. So this is 16 Fantastic Beast quotes we'll never forget. Mm-hmm. The most unforgettable quotes from the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them screenplay all in one glorious post. Finally. Um, so they have a title for each of them and then the actual quote itself and then a gif that shows where it happened. Oh, okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you their, like, title of the... It's very confusing. They're quotes, but they've, like, given them titles and then the quotes. Mm-hmm. So I guess the the the, the title is almost a hint. That's going to so, help me. So so I, I wonder if the best way to do this, actually, is for me to read you the title... And then for you to say, like, oh, I remember which bit, which bit this is. That which, will which not line. happen. Okay. Okay. Um, we'll we'll go we'll go we'll go here. Two points for each one. One. Okay. So if you if you can recognize it off the bat from just the title, two points. Sure. If you can recognize it, um, only after I've read the quote and you know which scene it is. Yeah. One point. 
Okay. How's that sound? That sounds fair. Okay. So so two points. Po- so thirty two points possible. Um, total. Let's get started. Number one. The title of this one is Seeker or Chaser. Awkward. Also, I, yes. I, I'm I I um should get five points if you read the title and then I say the quote. Yes. It okay. won't happen. There's no way. Yes. But you know. Are you sure? Because this this is it. This feels like a gimme. Wait, we wait. Have- hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh crap! I do know this one because we like, have riffed on this one. Fuck! It's a lot. so funny. It's like, well, first of all, it helps me with the scene. I know that the scene is when the orphanage lady talks to someone. Is it the newspaper man? Or he's like, "Are you... I can't think of the line. It's so funny. It's like, "Are you a? You, okay, are you are you? so close to this. I will, I'm going to give you a hint here. Yeah, okay. This is earlier in the movie. Because because she is talking to someone who has a comeback for her. Oh, she's talking to Newt. <laughs> yes. Or Tina. Newt. Yes. And, and, and says, are, it's, like the, it's like there's two parts and I can hear the second part. It's like, are it's you- It's very Bubba? awkwardly phrased. Yep. Or are you a seeker? Or something. I can't remember what the quote is. It's so funny, though. Okay, the quote is, "Oh my God, this is this." We we joked this is about memorable. We joked about this because it sounded funny in in the movie episode. Seeing it written out like this really hammers it home. Yeah, Newt. Oh, I was just passing. Mary Lou, are you a seeker? A seeker for truth? Newt. I'm more of a chaser, really. Uh, <laughs> um, I still don't really just just breezing right past that. Um, yeah, I I still don't really know what she's asking here, like what she thinks that she's right, asking. Because, because the thing is, is that this is always set up for him to say, I'm more of a chaser, as in like the Quidditch thing, because he's right. a wizard. But why would she set him up? What is she right. trying there's, to say? There's no natural way for her to make this joke. for Or like for, to make this joke work for the audience, right? Yeah. Because like his, his Quidditch punchline, like, oh, he knows something she doesn't, like, I get that's the joke here, but the way that we have to get there with her saying, are you a seeker for truth, is very confusing. Yeah, I'm not sure what she's really asking. Yeah, yeah, that's that. There, there's, there's, honestly, that is maybe the one memorable line to me. That is a very memorable line. Uh, Very, f- not for the right reasons. The, the Quidditch thing is stupid. I don't know why she didn't just say, like... Do you know that wizard? Do you believe that wizards exist? And then he could be like, "Yes, yeah, d- yes, yeah." There, there are many ways that this could could have the same effect without this really awkward attempt at wordplay. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and give you a point on that one. All right, thank you. Because you, because you, you remember the important part, which was the weird cadence. <laughs> that uh, is the important that she, part that she says uh, uh-huh. there. Uh, two. Hey, English dude. Oh, classic. Yeah. Hey, That's English not the quote, dude. though. That's the title. That's the oh. title. So. I thought, okay, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I knew that. But when does, so when, what what scene does this make you think of? I mean, it's got to be Jacob saying it to Newt, right? Because yep. he's the American character and he's like, hey, 
you have a funny accent, but I have no no idea. Maybe at the bank? If, oh, oh, yes. oh, hey, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you forgot your suitcase. Your <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm giving you, you the two points. I'm you giving lost, you the two points. You forgot your briefcase, I'm giving English you the two dude. points. It's not, the, it's not the, the briefcase, but you are so spot on. It is, Jacob, hey, Mr. English guy, I think your egg is hatching. God damn it, yes. You're, you're yeah. so close. I'm giving you the two so, points on that so one. so close. Number three, Nomad versus Muggle. Hmm. Nomad versus Muggle. Is there a fight that I'm not remembering? Mm, I think this is more to do with a conversation that happens between Ooh, two characters. Some quipping, perhaps. I have, yes. I, have, I have no idea. Okay. Uh, Tina, can you please tell me you took care of the Nomad? Newt, the what? Tina, becoming irritated. The Nomad, no magic, the non-wizard. Newt, oh, sorry, we call them muggles. These aren't, like, unforgettable quotes. They're just, like, whole conversations. These are unforgettable quotes from the movie Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. You can't quote that. You can't quote that like um, I do when I say, why are you wearing that stupid human suit? (laughs) Now that's a quote. That's a quote, yeah. This is, this is not really a quote even even if we were being charitable um but nonetheless unfortunately have to give you zero points on that one what but i'd probably know it what that was the quote right but yeah it's it's, oh yeah it's 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 tina tina and newt arguing at the beginning of the movie okay well i wasn't gonna get that i don't i don't yeah sorry zero zero points on that one yeah yeah number four the smidge Okay. I don't know what that means. <laughs> no, this we're we are getting into real <laughs> real weird territory. Only real on fantastic four, beast heads know this one. Number four out of sixteen. Mm-hmm. Uh I'll give you a hint because this one's really unfair. Um it's Tina and Newt are discussing something and the word smidge comes up. I I have no idea what that could be. Yeah, I don't remember. This is this is such incidental dialogue. This is when she's she's grilling him about his suitcase. Okay. With full of animals, and she says yeah. it was open, and Newt says just a smidge. That is not a memorable quote. I'm sorry. Not a memorable quote at all. Unless it's memorable just because of the word smidge being in it. Which is that's not, not that weird. Well, th- they titled this entry "The Smidge," and do they think that's a play on snitch? I don't know. It's I, just it's just yeah. open a smidge. I don't know. Yeah, sorry. Another zero points on that one. That's okay. Un- unfair, but that's just the how the game goes. Uh, number five, Jacob on dreaming. Am I dreaming? It's when he thinks he's like. Seeing the suitcase stuff or whatever. You've got it, it's like, you're so whoa. close. You're right on there, but like you got it. You, you, there's a little flip to it. Because because he he says he's not dreaming. If you remember, what does he say? I don't know. I have no idea. We were looking at this joke literally last night because God it was the top it. of the subreddit. <laughs> But you're you're too stupid to be dreaming something so cool, Jacob. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Newt, I don't think I'm dreaming. Newt, vaguely amused. What gave it away? Jacob, I ain't got the brains to make this up. Ha <laughs> ha. That's right. Only yep. J.K. Rowling does. Yep. I'll give you the two on that one. All right. Thanks. 
Number six, Newt on humans. Oh, this is the member. This is. <laughs> I can't remember if we made this joke or if it's actually in the movie. You humans are the real beasts. That's the re- yes. That is yep. They're in. Uh, they're surrounded by millions of the most vicious creatures on the planet. Humans. Wow. Another two points. That that's is a banger. That's a banger quote right there. <laughs> There's no chance in hell you'll get this one because it's yeah. another completely incidental one. But I sure. have. This is the game seven. Welcome to New York. Uh, um, it, maybe 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 Newt says to Pickett, <laughs> "Hey Pickett, welcome to New York." <laughs> that is such a generic thing. But I could have <laughs> totally imagine that being like just interchangeable with this completely. Or, or like they, the Tina and, and Newt are doing something cool, and Tina's like, "Welcome to New York." Ooh, that's a, yeah, yeah. She's doing some some cop shit. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. No. This is you're 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 closer with the first one. Okay. It's Newt walking down the street and saying to himself, and this is from the <laughs> screenplay, "Calm. You know, New York is considerably more interesting than I'd expected." Classic line. P- Actually, I, I you just, know what? what? Maybe he is talking to Pickett here. Oh. Because there's yeah. no one else in the shot except him and like pedestrian. I. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to Google this really quick. You know, New York is considerably more uh, fantastic beast. Who is he talking to uh, in this? Is he talking? If he's talking to Pickett. He's talking to the audience. Yes, he is talking to Pickett. You are 100% correct. (laughs) Ha ha. That was a wild guess. Yeah. uh, Pickett. Uh, and then a lion appears in the street. You know, New York is considerably more interesting than I expected. Hmm, how witty. Okay, that's according to IMDb. You don't expect to see a lion in the street. Right. Okay, so yeah, I think I'm going to give you the two points. You were totally right. That is. Thank you, thank you. That is that is exactly what happens there. He's talking to Pickett. All right, number eight. Newt and Jacob versus the Erumpent. I mean, I know the scene. Yeah. Uh, I don't now, know. If we I... we might have uh, encountered this quote in our quiz last week. Uh-oh. So if you can throw your mind back seven days, you might be able to dredge this one up and get two points. <sighs> I, 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 I mean, I'm just like inventing stuff. I can't, I can't remember <laughs> it. Um, something that Newt said about something philosophical Newt said. Uh, nope, I ju- I just can picture the scene, but I got I got nothing. I'm I'm all uh, out. Okay, Newt. Now there's absolutely nothing for you to worry about. Jacob, tell me, has anyone ever believed you when you told them that? Newt, my philosophy is that worrying makes you suffer twice. See, why would why would that be in the Arumpet scene? <laughs> Cause, I, I guess because like, he's putting the football pads on him and he's like, Don't don't worry. Yeah. You're I gonna, guess I, I like yeah. went completely off because I was thinking maybe MuggleNet was being cute and the quote was gonna be like the noise that oh, Newton made like the right. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But no. Yeah. 
this is another this next one okay so zero points on that one sadly um yeah another one that i am afraid is very mean i will try to give you a good hint on this okay. one but this is a such a fucking nothing quote that it's uh difficult to imagine this one working title is jacob the nomad you are a nomad, Jacob. <laughs> you, that means that okay. means you don't have any magic. Completely unfair. I'm going to give you a hint here. The gif that is involved in this mm-hmm. is Newt turning around in shock and seeing the Obscurial doing some shit. Doing a particle tech demo down I'm, the street. I'm afraid that helps me less. Yeah, I did Just... my best. I did, But it's really, the quote is, Jacob. Can someone please tell me what this obscurious thing is? <laughs> I wish someone would tell me what that thing is. Yeah, we're all waiting, Jacob. We're all wondering. Honestly. We're all wondering. Number 10. Uh, we heart house elves. That's true. Yes. Where's baby Dobby? <laughs> Where's baby Dobby? <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think if there are house elves in the first one. There are. I know that they are, like, set pieces, because there's, like, the one washing the windows at the ministry. Mm, there is one, perhaps in a in a certain bar that they go to. I thought that's, like, there's, like, goblins at the bar. No, there's a, there's a, there's a bartender that's a house elf, and Jacob says something. I'm, I'm giving you a big hint Oh, here. you're giving me, like, all of, it's, just, he's just, like... I mean, I remember the scene, and he says, like, of course I've seen a house elf before, or yeah. whatever. The house What's elf the... is like, haven't you seen a house elf yeah. before? Okay, yeah, okay, you're right, you're so close. What is the what is the very silly thing that he says after he says, I love house elves? Of course my I've si- seen my sis- My sister is a house elf. Oh, you're so close. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna give it to you. It's my uncle's a house elf. Okay, okay. Hey, sometimes these, you know, you know, everyone misquotes the the Darth Vader thing. It's it's not uh, uh, you Luke know, and Luke your father, and your father yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's not played against Sam. Everyone, right. everyone, th- these things, cultural osmosis. Everyone's always quoting this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, number eleven, smooth talker. Ooh. Who would be the smooth talker in Fantastic Beasts? Mm. No one. Queenie, ladies things. Ladies things. That was pretty smooth. Queenie is involved in this scene. Hmm. Smooth talker, huh? Um, I got nothing. Give me a hint. Okay, hint is it is Jacob again. It's Queenie and Jacob. Are they flirting? Is it at the bakery at the end? He's trying to flirt with her. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I literally don't remember anything that Queenie does in these movies, other than like join the Nazis. Yeah, and that's in the second one. Yeah, yeah. And the first um, one, what do we got? We she's she makes them a strudel. Um, she does a magical girl transformation, and then she says, "Ladies, things." Yeah, that's all I remember. I'm not really sure why she's in the movie, to be honest. <laughs> She's an evil hot woman. That's true. 
I do like that. Um, <laughs> well, no, we like that, but J.K. Rowling has a very different p- perspective on evil hot women than uh, the Shriek cast. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I no, I got nothing for this one. Oh yeah, this is this is such a a, a, a mean one. Queenie, are all nomadges like you? Jacob, trying to be serious, almost seductive. No, Ooh. I'm the only one like me. <laughs> He is really good in that movie. He is like the one shining beacon in that film. He's great. We love we love Dan Fogler. Mm-hmm. Number twelve. This one's just. I'm so sorry to do this to you. This is another one that is just absolute horseshit. <laughs> twelve. Great advice is the title of this one. Oh, great advice. Get out of New York, Newt. Ooh, Can't handle it. That I don't is know. Good I'm just making stuff up now. Yeah. I mean, it's on that level. Just forget about this bird. It's n- something it's Newt not worth says. It. It's something Newt says. Oh, is he giving advice or is he's he getting giving advice? advice? He's giving advice to Jacob. Oh. In this scene. Um, oh, open a bakery, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't get mixed up with, with Queenie. She's bad news. Um, yeah. Run. I don't know. I got nothing. Newt, and try very hard not to be predictable. I, d- this, I don't even this, know what that is. This is, I in think, the, film. the gif is also very unhelpful here. I think this is when they are tracking down the Demi guys, and it goes, it's going invisible, and they, like, need to trick it. Oh, I forgot about that scene. Yeah. But those were, like, the only cute scenes. In I mean, I'll the- never forget, but... yeah. In the, did forget all, remember all the parts where they were like hanging out and trying to catch all the cool animals that was cute yeah i'm not really clear yeah i don't really know what the plot of the movie is <laughs> sadly another zero points on that one very mean mm-hmm. question but nonetheless number 13 queenie on newt's love life that famous you need, you scene. need to get a girlfriend newt <laughs> You're not getting any younger. Um, oh, are you not married? Are you an unmarried man? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is this J.K. Rowling or Queenie? <laughs> uh, Newt's love life. Oh, do you have a crush on my sister? Okay, I'm going to give you a hint here. I mean, there's no, there's just no way. <laughs> Because this is an insane scene that I don't remember at all. I do remember where what sparked this conversation. It was remember when they are in the case and uh, Newt has like the dedication in his book to like some other lady that Tina finds out about and is jealous about. And Queenie Queenie has some advice on the other lady. For, this is so nothing. This is absolutely. You should leave her and date my sister instead. <laughs> she's so she's so lonely. I'm going to give you a <laughs> point because that's not the quote, but that is the gist of it. Oh, okay, um, cool. Queenie, people are easiest to read when they're hurting. Newt, I'm not hurting. Anyway, it was a long time ago. Queenie, that was a real close friendship you had at school. Newt, yes, well, neither of us really fit in at school, so we, Queenie, became real close for years. In the background, we see Tina, who has noticed that Newt and Queenie are talking. Queenie, concerned, she was a taker, you need a giver. 
So you're completely spot on, honestly. It is 100%. You should date my sister. I need to, I need to try to figure out how to incorporate that great quote into my day-to-day uh, turn of, turns of phrase. <laughs> that memorable quote we're all saying. And then and then I'll say it. I'll drop it into a conversation and they'll be like, oh, is that from Fantastic Beasts? Is that from Fantastic Beasts? I love that movie. <laughs> There's so many quotable scenes in that. Mm-hmm. Number 14. Hogwarts the best school, we Americans beg to differ. I mean it's it's that part, right? And there's that deleted scene where they sing the sing the uh Ilvermorny school uh but I don't know what the what the quote could be. Yeah. Ilvermorny is the best wizard school, Newt, you fucking idiot. Yeah, that is you know what? I'm giving you two <laughs> points. That's not again, not the quote, but you got the spirit of it dead on and Absolutely. also the scene. Mm-hmm. Newt, I think you'll find the best wizard school in the world is Hogwarts, Queenie, Hogwash. Yeah. Yeah, so more or less, that. yeah, she does say, shut up, you fucking moron. <laughs> it's Ilvermorny. Number 15, Tina and Newt. Tina and Newt. Tina what and can Newt. you say what? about Tina and yeah. Newt? I'm working on, on the... my the speech that I'm making at their wedding right now. The, the silver screen romance that no one can forget. Everyone has been swept up in this romance um, between zoologist and police officer. Um, She's not even a police officer in this movie. That's the remember that <laughs> the plot is that like she keeps on trying to arrest people, and then it turns out she's <laughs> like, like a desk no, you're jockey. Fi- you're fired. We fired you, and you keep trying to bring people in. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what this could be. Yeah, this is a, this is a, I think this is even for Fantastic Beasts fan, this is a, a, a real stretch. Tina, try not to need investigating for a bit. Newt, I will. The quiet life for me from now on. Back to the ministry, deliver my manuscript. This is incidental dial. This is nothing. <laughs> this is like exposition. It's nothing. Zero points, but I give it in two in spirit two points for the app. Yeah, it's just not anything. Uh, sixteen. How do you quote that? How do you yeah, quote what, that? Where do you like, quote <laughs> the quiet life for me from now on? Back to the ministry, deliver my manuscript. I guess if you're going to a ministry and have a manuscript to deliver, then that's your chance. But. That's- that's that's gonna be me from now on. Instead of saying like, "Well, I best you know, I better be going," or I'll you know, I'll I'll, I'll stop taking up your time. I'm gonna say, "Quiet life for me from now on." Back to the ministry, deliver my manuscript. <laughs> and I I will know what that's shorthand for. Just just <laughs> leaving, I guess. <laughs> all right, number sixteen, titled "Don't We All, Jacob." thinking really hard this one's fucked up this is such a this you're not gonna get this one i might just give you two points on principle because this is this is so unfair (laughs) can i get a hint or something um jacob is excited about magic and he says magic rules yeah but like we all think magic rules so so don't we all what would what would he say about how cool magic like oh i wish i you know i want to be a 
A wizard. Yeah, I want to be a wizard, is what Jacob says. Here's why this is incredibly mean of them to put here. Is it because Don't We All was directed at me reading the article? No, it's Jacob says, I want to be a wizard. And it says, don't we all, Jacob? Yeah. But here's the really fucked up part. This is not in the movie. Oh. This is from the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them trailer. Oh, that's bullshit. That's fucking bullshit. You can't put... That's not a memorable quote. If it's not in the movie, it's not a memorable quote from the movie. I I love to quote trailers. I'm giving you two points purely on principle here. Thank because, you. Because Thank you. That the is, test was unfair. That is, yeah, unfair to expect anyone to remember uh, a quote from the fucking trailer <laughs> that is not in the film. Okay, so let's tally up your score here. I'm going to go ahead and go one, two, zero, 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 two, zero, zero. This is my Russian number station. Mm. Two, zero, zero, one, two, zero, two. You got 16 points. That's pretty damn good. Out of a possible 32. That's so, pretty good. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say considering how bullshit most of these actually were and how non-memorable they were, pretty good. I gotta say, not a very quotable movie. No, no. I think the closest thing to there's the one that you know that they wanted to be quotable, which was the um the most vicious creatures in the world, humans. Hilarious. Yeah, they wanted that one to be like the big stunner. Like that's the that's the emotional line. The rest of these are like all um just like expository dialogue and like Mm -hmm. normal scenes these aren't quotes (laughs) no yeah not not many uh why are you wearing that stupid human suit lines absolutely not um the thing i'm also confused about is this article so this is a muggle met article sure um and it was published in 2017. And then it says updated January 9th, 2019. Not sure what they added to this, but there's also a link at the bottom that seems to be like an like it's a sponsored post because it says Xco create your own experience. Hmm. I don't know what that is or whether that's a sponsored thing or whether that's like the tool they made because it's because it's done BuzzFeed style where it's like title, gif, quote, right? Yeah. I w- I'm wondering if that's maybe what, what it is. But yeah, there's there's a uh, there's a mysterious sponsored link at the end here that I will not click because I value my computer. Um, But uh, but yeah. I wonder why it was updated. Yeah, I, I, I think the boring answer is probably that, like, maybe, um, uh, they, uh, that that happened when the site got bought. Oh, I forgot. I forgot about and that. They, like, if moved everything platforms. just got, yeah. But I don't know if that's if like every article has a, like updated on the date that they like change platforms thing. Right. Right. That's the boring answer. My my other thing is like well it was updated in january of 2019 so two years ago um did they maybe cut out 
uh, one that was like Johnny Depp at the end of this movie. And he says <laughs> a wizard quote, perhaps. And they were like, uh oh, we don't want that on the website. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's still in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, that's that's my that's my scandalous answer. But I, I think the real answer is just like, yeah, they. uh um they they probably just updated the article at some point when the website uh got bought what else does MuggleNet have going on right now that's a good like, question what does a, a fandom harry potter news site have going on in uh, 2021 funko pops sure four new harry potter patronus funko pops have been revealed how many patronuses could there be uh well let's find out they've got uh harry stag ron's jack russell terrier hermione's otter and they've added um four new ones one of them is oh this is funny one one of them is mcgonagall's cats all three of them it seems like i can't quite tell from the box here it looks like there might be some more branching off of the main one that Triple is, spell. That is quite a coincidence. And then there's mm-hmm. one here that's like, oh, it's a phoenix. I was gonna say it looked like Buckbeak, but I think it's um, Dumbledore's, and it's a phoenix hmm. Patronus. Interesting. Oh, they have the sexy doe too. Oh, nice. They've given here. Take a look. They've they've even given given her the sexy eyes, so you know. Oh, yeah, she's got eyelashes. Very alluring. That, that is a girl deer. That is a girl deer. What else have they got? Uh, YouTuber finishes exterior of Hogwarts on Minecraft. Great. Review. Hufflepuff guided... Wait, what the fuck? Review. Hufflepuff guided journal from Insights Edition. I don't know what those words mean together. Who doesn't want to start the new year with fun new Harry Potter merch arriving on their doorstep? Thanks to Insight Editions, I got to start 2021 with Loyalty, a guided journal for embracing (laughs) your inner Hufflepuff. Loyalty sounds so sinister in that context. Yeah. Hufflepuff, that's a, yeah, that's a very Slytherin sounding thing. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I know that being loyal is Hufflepuff's thing, but maybe that's like the the dark side of Hufflepuff. Yeah. Cause when, when, when the Hufflepuff loyalty comes up, it's more like, Oh, they're, they're very loyal to their friends. The, like the loyalty in, like, it's like a title. It feels very much like a dark, <laughs> like sinister thing. Like you said, Yeah. I confess that I am no great diarist. In fact, I'm still in the journaling dark ages where entries start with dear diary and may or may not end with being possessed by the dark Lord. Oh no. <laughs> not good the brave new world of guided journals and bullet journals is very much uncharted waters for me but in the spirit of discovery i dove in insight editions can always be relied upon to create attractive books with looks a look and feel of quality and the loyalty guided journal is no exception oh so it's an ad this is reading an ad this we are reading an ad for their fucking branded harry potter bullet journal Okay. So that's going on in the in the wizarding world. Is it a spo- um, is it sponsored or did they just accidentally make a free ad? They made a free ad. They got okay, sent to them. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, um let's see. The secret flaws of Severus Snape. Never none. Part 2. <laughs> My god, I cannot do this right now. There are four comments on this. Wow. Uh-oh. Controversy. Uh wait. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, we're not going to read the whole article here, but I just want to read you what some of the flaws. They put two flaws here with very okay. long essays for each. Number one is short-sightedness. Number two, he's too, he's too <laughs> trusting. <laughs> that very trusting guy, Severus Snape. Uh, can I take a guess on the short-sightedness? Are they saying that he, like, delivered the information to Voldemort and was like, dang it, I didn't even think he'd use it to kill someone? That was very short-sighted of me. Snape's trust in Voldemort was very short-lived and possibly weak at best. He trust he likely trusted the hope of what he could gain more than he ever trusted Voldemort as a person, but it should should have taught him lessons about manipulation that he doesn't seem to have learned by the time he's dealing with Dumbledore. Really? I think he's just kind of fucked. <laughs> <laughs> He had time to consider that swearing lifelong servitude, let alone to an extremist, had a very little chance of ending well. How much power could he really have hoped if he was bound to serve? And why wouldn't someone who hated Dumbledore and Muggleborns target Lily, a Dumbledore-serving Muggleborn? <laughs> so it is kind of the thing I said. It was yeah, short short-sighted. I love this shit. It's so stupid. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, that's kind of what's going on on MuggleNet. Cool, cool. Why Scorbus should have been canon? That, what the fuck does that mean? Why Scorbus <laughs> should, who's Scorbus? <laughs> why, why it's, Gremulon? It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the cursed child ship. Oh! It's Scorpius and Albus. Right. I just read this like it was a character's <laughs> name. Scorbus should be canon. Here's why my OC should be canon. <laughs> Here's Scorbus. <sighs> uh yeah that that's that's about it got it the uh the, the the brand is strong that guy the guy who's gotten his new um his new job it's in good hands everything is great he barely, <laughs> the, the wheels are turning he's yep. he doesn't have to do anything they're turning they're greased yeah uh, every- we're sliding down the hill it's yeah. all going good it's all good the brand is strong Mm-hmm. Uh, and will be and will continue to grow under new leadership. Well, we should probably take it to the close. What do you say? Yeah, probably. Our theme song is "Hot McGonagall" by Cheshire Moon. Huge thanks to them as always for letting us use it as our theme song. You can find them on Bandcamp, and you can find us at Patreon.com/streetcast. We have tons and tons of bonus content there for you. We're talking about anime. We're talking about video games. We're talking about books we've read tv we watched other books that we did reviews on like john green and all the other ya stuff that happened unfortunately in the world uh and liz what are we gonna read next week i know i know we know oh, but let's you you but know let's what it is it. you know what it is let's save this, has this. Been many years in the making here mm-hmm. next week we'll be reading chapter 33 the prince's tale the Prince's Tale. Which it's... I swear, this is the the most discoursed Harry Potter topic. Period. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Yeah, we're I on think... we're on the edge of the abyss. Next week is going to be a very special episode. I get the it feeling. is going to it is it is. I, I think I think we will have to do. Oh, I'm, I'm, I might poke around for some some research from the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we might collect. Some greatest hits Snape discourse posts from the subreddit. Oh yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of context to to uh, bring to the table next week when we read this chapter. But until then. Is your
please read another book. Please read another book. Makes ocean roll seem tame. Better know what you're after if you catch a eye. Cause this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.